Yeehaw, Chuckle Flux, let's kill some fucking enemies of mankind. <laughs> to Dice Like Ice, episode 28. I'm your host, Tony Acton, and with me, as always, the Billy Lee to my Jimmy Lee, Andrew Mitchell. Gonna have to explain that one to me. Uh, I sent you a gif of them earlier today. Uh, well, let me go back through our fucking text log. Uh, it's oh! a terrible movie from the 90s. It's a fantastic uh, uh, video game from the 90s. Double Dragon. Double yeah. Dragon. Gotcha. I that knew the stuff. I just wild, by the way. Oh, it's... Yeah, no, it's it's pretty up there with '90s video game movies. <laughs> yes, it is. Ugh. Man, when uh, yeah, I think it was on Prime, and I was like, oh fuck yeah, I gotta rewatch this. And like halfway through, I was like, oh fuck yeah. <laughs> Let me pause this, and then instead go and watch the Mortal Kombat movie from the '90s. <laughs> no, you got also just... terrible. You guys just dual screen it. Yeah, you know, watch it at the same time. Really enjoy it. And fuck See you, I like the, the original Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah, because of nostalgia. It's not good. It's fun. It's better than Annihilation. I mean, I, that was bad. I, I enjoy the first one, but it's not a good movie. No, fair I enough. also enjoy the original Dungeons and Dragons movie, but it's objectively bad. The one with Marlon Wayne? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. The acting no, it's, is it's uh, it horribly bad. to be desired. I, I will be real though. After watching the new one, I was really hoping for like a subtle nod to Damodar somewhere in the background. Yeah. We're like, ah, there's that bald motherfucker and his blue lip gloss. <laughs> oh, you mean a warlock of Karth? Yeah, pretty much. But like, well, no, I guess, I guess Game of Thrones was written at that time. Maybe that's where they stole that from. <laughs> yeah, because let's see, the warlocks of Karth were first book, right? Uh, second book but second book. the third book was released in 2000 i think which is when the movie came out so yeah they would have had time to to steal from george R. R. martin for their fucking awful generic ass fantasy movie <laughs> oh my god oh. oh we just made a connection ladies and gentlemen you heard it here first you heard yeah, it here first well, a 23 year old reference let's let's stick it to those guys in that movie that is universally lambasted yeah it's it's pretty bad like it's but i do love it i own it on blu-ray <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, anyway we should probably talk about our sponsors <laughs> oh yes we should hold on yes now i'm ready for the sponsor oh. uh as always we are sponsored by grip and rip whoop a little bit on the microphone that time i didn't hear it's okay you. it was i guess the, the noise it, canceling got it it was just on the pop filter it's fine when, when we get the recording it'll show up that was a good one all right good yeah, mine, mine was pretty crisp. Andrew, what you drinking? Ooh. Uh, well, I am drinking an old favorite of Founders Brewing, uh, but they released a summer pack of various uh, flavored gozes. And so Ooh. I have the Green Zebra Peach Goze right now. Green Zebra is the uh, just the, the, the name for their goze line, I guess. Um, peach one's pretty good. Uh, so far, if this is the last flavor in the pack. I've been working my way through them. Uh, they're mango, pineapple, watermelon, and peach. Watermelon's definitely been the worst so far. I think mango has been my favorite, but peach is pretty all right. <laughs> if you're into your uh, light, summery sweet beers. Which is rocking a... Uh, where is the... 
4.6. So, you know, this is essentially a soda. Oh, I don't see the ABV on mine at all. I know this is beer. <laughs> well, what beer is it while you find the ABV? Come on, man. You know I can't multitask. <laughs> uh, this is the Goat Island Brewing Blood Orange Berliner Weiss. Their tart blood Barely orange face, wheat ale. But uh, I love the description here. This gorgeous orange to pink beer is refreshing and drinkable. A lush, sweet orange aroma hits you as you take your first drink. Then that well-crafted wheat ale backbone shines through. Go ahead and indulge yourself. You deserve it. Life's too short to drink bad beer. Yes, because uh, exactly what I want in my beer is backbone. Oh, that's actually really good. Yeah, yeah no, it's, no that's, uh, that's, that's, it's got yeah. like a nice little sweet and tart punch. And then, yeah, no, good on them. Where the fuck is the yeah, That's kind of kind of what this kind of what this peach one's going for, too. A little little sweet, little tart. But uh, wait, while it's not technically summer, summer has fucking sprung in Georgia. Yeah, all it's hot as fuck. Has. So a nice, refreshing beer is uh, pretty, pretty pleasant right now. Because no it was ABV what, 80? It was like 87 today, but like 85% humidity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ain't, just ain't been... prime and models for two months. Oh, God, no. It's just been back-to-back storms for the past three weeks. So, you know, I got a ever-growing pile of gray. Well, yeah, that's just a normal problem for me. No, I mean, yeah, that's true, too. It's <laughs> for me as well, but I normally get to the priming a little quicker. I, I did. There was one day that I was able to prime some models about, which I guess we'll talk about pretty soon. Ah, five. You had to fucking Google it. It's a 5% ABV. Haha, you win. My 4.6 can't compete. Like, I thought you had to have it on the cam. Um, It might be on the box, because I know they have to legally display it, I'm pretty sure, but it might not necessarily have to be on the can itself, since the cans aren't for a single resale, uh, typically. This can has a resellable, bar- resellable barcode on it, though. Well, never mind. Maybe I just don't know my laws very well. Yeah, fuck you. Goat Island Brewing breaking the law. What I'm hearing is... Yeah, what I'm hearing is shoplift some beer. I don't know which ones. Maybe not Goat Island, but... That's good. I I love a good blood orange in things, so when I saw a blood orange wheat ale, I was like, yeah, I'll give that a shot. Is it more ale or more like fruit juicy kind of flavor? This sounds kind of weird, it it tastes like um like a beery grapefruit because of the sweetness and the bitterness to it. Hmm. Like it's it's like a like, weedy like if grapefruit. You took a, like if you took a beer and squeezed grapefruit juice into it. Yeah, but like not like a, not like a flavorful beer, which sounds mean. Um, but like if you took like a like fucking you get like a hint, huh? You get like a hint, you know, yeah. a nice a nice after flavor yeah it kind of has the aftertaste of like miller light to it with grapefruit <laughs> you're making it sound less appealing i know but it's, it's actually really good and that's the only way, thing i can describe it as because right, it has that wheat flavor to it and generally you don't get that wheat flavor as an aftertaste unless it's a shitty beer but this is a good beer that has that aftertaste it's not a bad aftertaste well well brewed in i guess yeah it's good. Yeah, no, no, no weed anything on this goze. So it no. just tastes like slightly alcoholic fruit juice, essentially. Nice. Oh man. So um, regular listeners will realize that it's been a a bit since we recorded. Yeah, that's brown. Yeah. God damn it. Uh, 
That is a combination of life, weather, and my laptop finally melting down and killing itself. Oh, yeah. yeah. It has been so long, I totally forgot that that's why you got a new laptop. Yeah, yeah, because uh, <laughs> my laptop was dead for about a week and a half before this new one came in. Yeah, so we had, I guess this is cursed episode two, Electric Boogaloo, because yeah, we had it several times where we're like, oh, we're going to record, and then Tony's laptop exploded. Oh, we're going to record, then Tony's power went out. Oh, we're going to record. Well, actually, we're both exhausted. Let's do it a different day. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, yeah. So. But we're here. We're back. It's it's only been like a week, uh, a month and three weeks or something. Oh, man. So uh, we've got a lot done in that time. And by we, I mean Andrew, because I also opened up a third store. So I... Sandwich. I've had no real free time. Well, I uh, I can make up your deficit. I think because uh, it's been it's been a busy almost two months, mostly buying, but there has been a lot of good painting as well. Oh man, yeah. So uh, so speaking of which, oh, I got another. Let's watch into it. Yeah, what you what you been working on? Hobby progress. All right, so starting off strong, I bought and built a box of demonettes for my Heat Knights because uh, I need to be able to potentially summon them in uh, with my, my depravity points or just run them as battle line, depending on my lists. Um, pretty easy to build kits, really nothing too wacky about them. They're kind of uh, right on that edge before they started getting a little overcomplicated with the, the 3D slicing and everything. So it was pretty much just torso, arms, head, bing, bang, boom, you're done. So, you know, they're demonettes. Everybody's seen them. Nothing special. Uh, got a bunch of stuff for my uh, Song of Ice and Fire Free Folk. I picked up uh, boxes one, two, and three of their heroes. Jeez so I have Christ. all of their, I have all of their named heroes. I just kept finding really good deals on them where it's like, oh, these are normally like thirty-eight bucks. Here's one for twenty-one. Here's one for twenty-three. Was just, okay, I'll get those while they're here, I guess. Um, so I have all the named heroes now, um, and NCU's and all that fun stuff. Uh, I got two boxes of thins because again, found a really good deal for them. Uh, which, uh, who was it? It was someone on our Discord who pointed it out where it's like, oh, here's like a flash sale where you can get these for like 19 bucks a box. Uh, it's like, ah, god I think, damn it. I think it was David, maybe. <laughs> Might have been. Yeah. Uh, but either way, so I got two boxes of Thins and a box of Spearwives. So I have like the vast majority of units for my army that I need. I still need to get... Um, Frozen Shore Chariots, which are uh, just like, you know, husky chariots, essentially. Uh, I need to get some mammoths, and I need to try out, like, cave dwellers and stuff like that. But otherwise, I'm pretty close to done with most of the options for that army. So, mainly it would just be if I want to go, like, really hard into just, like, here's nothing but followers of bone, or nothing but thins, which is probably not necessarily the best <laughs> option. But, so, uh, uh, pretty solid list of free folk now that I can build sure. off of. And I've actually played enough that I kind of know how to play the army a little bit now. Like I'm not necessarily good at it, but I'm like, ah, this synergizes with this, but we'll get to that with games play. Uh, after that, I finally completed my Lizardman Blood Bowl team. Fully painted everything, uh, tokens, coins, the, the balls, everybody. And that was super fun. I really enjoyed that team. That has so much little fun details on them. Um, uh, mostly did them as kind of uh, cooler neutraler tones like the Saurus warriors have like uh, bone colored bodies and then like black scales and then I did the reverse on the skinks with black bodies and like their fins and their heads and stuff were uh, bone colored yeah. and then 
the um the chameleons i just did kind of a cool blue gray just to kind of differentiate them and because i didn't necessarily want crazy pops of color on them because i did their feathers really bright colors and then they also are smothered in fucking gold all of their like bracelets and headpieces and everything are just super bright gold so i wanted something to uh uh pop on them with how cool the rest of them were so they're fun really fun had a few games with them so far and i enjoy them a lot uh speaking of blood bowl teams i also decided to go to my backlog and just finished the human blood bowl team that i've had sitting for like three years whenever i bought the uh the 2016 version of the box that came with orcs and humans because i've just been on a blood bowl kick and i was like okay i guess i'll just paint these guys um and i was like oh what colors don't i have green well i don't want a super bright green i do that with my goblins and stuff all the time what should i do oh i'll just copy the dark angels paint scheme to piss Tony off because what why not base fucking one more dark angel bullshit though with 10 exactly nearly the bullshit they were before so Oh, well, level human team have never been bullshit, so, you know, you never really would have that level of headache, so, you know, mainly just doing it to poke fun at you, but also because they're pretty vastly different color-wise from everything else I have, so yeah. that was fun. Who knows how much play they'll actually get, just because humans aren't really my vibe in Blood Bowl, but, uh, you know, it's always good to have another team to, to learn people on. Um, let's see, after that, I finally, finally, finally finished the Meat Tree Terrain. Yeah. It had only taken me like three months of bitching about ropes and stuff, but I did finally complete it, and they're just as gross as I imagined them to be. And yeah, I did end up using almost an entire pot of Blood for the Blood God on them. Uh, I even did the stringy gore effects with hot glue and stuff, which will probably snap pretty quickly during transportation, but yeah, whatever, it's hot glue, I can fix it easily. So uh, yeah, really excited to uh, get that on the board and try some AOS with it, because this is gross. It came out just as gnarly as I was hoping yeah, for. This is, I fucking ugh. love them. Oh, they're so nasty. It's the only way I really like those trees, because they were really stupid until I did that, and then I'm like, ah, yes, now they're cool, because I did them. <laughs> uh, let's see. So, after that, uh, speaking of terrain, uh, shout out to Ken from the 40k Badcast Discord because uh, I got to talking to him about some of the boarding actions terrain, and he's like, hey, you want boarding actions terrain? I'm like, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to pay for it, though. And he's like, that's cool. So he just threw me some boarding action terrain. So I got a whole ass set of boarding action terrain that I have to now paint. So uh, thanks for that, Ken. I'm going to get some some good pictures out there eventually whenever I paint them in, like, 2025. Yeah, right. Uh yeah, but uh, not super excited for it. Uh, you know, absolutely thrilled to have somebody that cool just say, hey, here's some really rad shit, you know. Uh, so I will do my best to do justice to that terrain whenever I feel like playing Necromunda boarding actions, 40k with some cool terrain, etc. and so forth. It's very useful, so looking forward to that in the future i went ahead and built that too which uh wasn't so bad there were a couple of doors that didn't necessarily fit in crazy well um took a little bit of jamming stuff where it needed to go but uh on the whole it really only took me one sitting so uh, not too bad for, for that real quick before you um you actually like prime it and paint it and all that on all of the connection points go through and chisel a decent amount off otherwise when you put it all together for like a game one corner will be flat the other corner will be about two inches in the air the uh corner points where you put the caps on uh everywhere where it connects like those weird little slots that slide in trim all of those down a little bit like take okay. take a yeah, good eighth to a quarter inch off every face of them might just hit that with a Dremel yeah, or something. Yeah, that's, that's then, what I did. And then, 
but o- otherwise they're, they're a bitch to hook on there and also if they're not in there perfectly flush um every one of them you connect lifts it up just a little bit more and more so one side of it will just be way off the fucking table oh good to know yes. yeah we'll definitely uh get the sandpaper out for that one yeah. then uh try to keep that in mind for when i get to it in like two years <laughs> uh, we're like a third of the way through my list so after that uh i bought and built sigvald the magnificent and glutas Arscalian for the he knights so i got uh old magnificent swordsman himself from the world that was but now he's a demon prince and then i got job of the hut and his palanquin and uh those were really cool models they're super fucking fun yeah, they're i Glutas has some really gnarly details on him. Like, if you look real close, he's got all of these, uh, like, serving trays and stuff with various gross sh- things. Like, he has, like, uh, like a roast of hand, not ham. So there's just, like, a dude's hand on a serving platter. And then he's got his little uh, halfling chef, like, holding him up a plate that has, like, a beating heart. Or no, it's got, a like, a big tentacle on it. And then there's a demonette to the side who's got, like, a beating heart on a, a plate. Very uh, Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom style. And then these really cool, uh, you know, crab chaos spawn mutated ogre guys who are pulling the palanquin. It's just, it's a really cool model. It's got so much detail and it's going to take me fucking ages to paint when I get started on them. But uh, I'm really excited for it. And that guy I put, uh, I I left in about 10 pieces or so, so I can actually paint it. Because if I glued that thing together all the way, I I would actually go crazy trying to paint it. It would be awful. There is so much detail on it. And that's all I got to say about that. Um, on the Hedonized train still, I found another Vanguard box for $70 less than retail That's on so eBay. Cheap. Yeah, it was, it was stupid cheap. Uh, and it was like half built. And the guy who I purchased it from had already built the Bliss Barb Archers, which were the really annoying ones to build because they're super fiddly. And I was like, ah, it's almost worth it just for that. So now I have, uh, as many archers as I will ever need for those lists. And then also some extra Seekers, and I don't need any more Slongor, because I don't think I'm ever going to see myself fielding more than the six I already have, but, you know, might just keep them for bits. But, uh, yeah, so we got that. Uh, After that, I picked up a bunch of 3D-printed alternative sculpts for a lot of Blood Bowl stuff. So I got a bunch of um, the Goblin Star Players and Secret Weapons, uh, because I uh, have also purchased a Goblin Blood Bowl team, because I've just been on a Blood Bowl kick, like I said. So I got um, the pogo stick, I got a bomber, I got a chainsaw-wielding loony, I got the guy with the flail, the uh, the lunatic. Um, fuck, who else did I get? Can't see anything from over here, it's too dark in my uh, Bryce the Slice. Um, I did get an alternative sculpt for Bryce the Slice for the undead teams, because the GW one is uh, not the best. It's not the worst, but it's not the best. Uh, and this one's significantly better. And then I also got a uh, uh, alternate sculpt for Bol- uh, Bolgrot, the smart troll player that they actually just announced a new model for. But this one's like almost on par with that one. It's a shockingly good 3D sculpt. And worse comes to worse, if I end up getting the, new- the actual one, this is just a fun alternative troll sculpt for Blood Bowl. So there you go. Um, now we're at the actual like painting painting part <laughs> so uh i finished my six long gores other than basing um which was really fun a good combination of fabrics and flesh and weird snappy crab claws and a couple of weapons on the leader stuff like that just uh interesting to kind of have them be like my testing ground for how i'm going to do slanesh stuff so a lot of uh pinks and purples things like that um 
After that, I finished a Lord of Pain and a Lord of Hubris and 10 Miramadesh Painbringers, which was really fun. I really liked the Painbringers with their uh, their armor because you don't really see that much metal on the uh, the Heathen Knights army. They're, they're easily the most heavily armored dudes in the whole army because most of the other people are like mostly naked with a shoulder pad. So I uh, really got to properly test my, my metallic scheme on them, which uh, is kind of a mother of pearl-ish sort of look, mostly kind of like an icy blue kind of thing in the end because I used a lot of um, Grey Knight Steel, which was the first time I'd really used that metal, which uh, I like a lot. It comes came out very Grey cool. Grey Knight Steel's a great a of, metallic. Yeah, with a lot of uh, glazes of contrasts over it too. You get some really cool colors. I did... Um, Volupus pink and a Kellen gray or whatever, or a Kellen green, green yeah. or whatever it's called. Yeah. So doing those and then dry brushing the steel back on top gets kind of this sort of mother of pearl effect. So really happy with that. Trimmed it in gold. Just it's looking cool. I'm enjoying it. Um, after that, a little bit more purchasing. I did for yet another good deal. Uh, found Vashtor and some obliterators. So I picked up Vashtor for like half the price GW is selling them for because there's still a lot of people selling the uh, the bits of the Soulforge King box set. And tenth edition is technically out, kind of. They released all the rules, but Leviathan box uh, isn't out yet. It went up for pre-order this last weekend. So uh, I've been getting back into the 40k mindset. I'm getting more excited about these rules because they seem a little more in line with like AOS than they did the previous edition. So I want to want to beef up my Chaos Space Marines and actually get working on them soon. So uh, I started painting Vashtor. The one day I was actually able to prime some stuff, he was on the list and he painted up stupid fast. Like I'm almost done with him already. I, I almost finished him in like three sessions. Pretty short painting sessions too because it was mostly just working on the flesh and doing the um the trim along his armor plates because i primed him in lead belcher so i was like half done already um now nah, really cool creepy model I, I i his weird glowing eye lenses and like like forge furnace face is just awesome so very spooky creepy looking and i love it uh yeah and they released the points and he's okay. He's better than he was last edition, but not by much. So we'll see how much field time he actually gets. But even if he never sees field play in the game, he's just awesome. It's just He's going to look great on my shelf the whole time. Um, let's see. Uh, started painting 11 Bliss Barb Archers for my Heathen Knights today because uh, I finished up my, my Miramadesh Painbringers yesterday. So I got to gotta keep the log rolling on them because I got so much backlog on them. Uh, mostly doing contrasts just to blast through them because they're just like my baseline troops. I'm not going to go crazy hard on them. They're going to get like one highlight just to look okay on the table and that's it because I got a bunch of them and I don't want to deal with it. Uh, and uh, today I might have bought a bunch of stuff for 40k. So, uh, again, keeping the good deals what train rolling. Get? I found some great... <laughs> Well, if you won't interrupt me, I'll tell you, Tony, Jesus. So uh, today, like eight hours ago, I might have bought 20 Chaos Cultists, a box of Accursed Cultists, a uh, Land Raider Proteus, and Abaddon. Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's almost like uh, we haven't recorded two months, and whenever you do that much concentrated... Months, like 40 days. When you do that much concentrated Warhammer purchasing and hobby progress, it really sounds like a lot. But I did really uh, load a lot there at the tail end, yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious because this is going to make mine sound like I've not done a goddamn thing. Well, you know, it's fine. You've been busy opening a new oh shop. God. I had to pick up the slack. And then I also got a weird, like, gas tax out of Georgia. So that was a couple hundred extra dollars I wasn't expecting. And I was like, fuck it, I'll, like, I'll just throw that at Warhammer, I guess. There you go. Yeah, unexpected gas tax rebate. So that's something. 
So yeah, that's my my uh, like fifteen minutes of hobby progress. Yeah, How about you, you, Tony? Done now? I'm done. That was it. The oh, last thing was I purchased I'm Abaddon. Done. Surprise. Uh, yeah. So I. Oh wait, no, I did. I did actually forget one thing. <laughs> Motherfucker. I bought a box of skulls. I ran out of skulls. Oh, that's impressive, actually. Yeah, right? Like, I didn't... When I first purchased that, I thought, oh, this will be the, all the skulls I'll ever need. And little did I know, everything gets a skull, and that adds up after a while. Yeah, it does. I mean, there's like, what, 400 in the box? So I guess that makes sense if you go through a couple of Chaos Armies. Uh, 300-something. And yeah, I definitely had some models where I'm like, you get the skull pile. Like, uh, the yeah. Amble oh, model yeah. that I did for Necromunda. He, he, his whole base is skulls and bones and stuff. So, you know, he gets a, he, he kind of skews the list a little bit. But yes, okay. that is emphatically my last thing that I purchased. <laughs> Christ. Uh, so the majority of my progress was uh, a bunch of Song of Ice and Fire mini stuff, uh, as it's been, because I was still on that fucking train. So I painted up Sir Robert Strong, which, spoiler alert, is just the fucking mountain in Pearl Plate. I hate that fucking model. Yeah. I don't know why. I, like, I, just, I just don't like that model. It's way too like static for everything else in the game. Yeah, the sculpt is fine. I just I don't like the way it looks. I mean, he is supposed to be kind of a zombie at that point, so like him yeah. just standing stock still makes sense. Yeah, then uh, I painted up my squad of Lannister Hellbradiers, got those guys fully painted, fully based and everything. Went through and started doing just a bunch of Lannister attachments, so I did two guard captains, uh, two of the assault veterans, champion of the faith, uh, one other attachment, I don't fucking remember who he was. Got the Clegane Brigands painted. Um, 80% of the models are super cool looking. One of them looks like it's got a plastic perm as a haircut. Uh, and those <laughs> will probably never actually see the table in the Song of Ice and Fire game. But they are great random minis for D&D. Which is half it's, the uh... good set of... Sorry. Half the good of Song of Ice and Fire is they're such great D&D minis. Yeah, it's almost the perfect scale for it. it yeah, really plastic is. perm. It's not plastic. It's it's carved ivory like uh, Pierce's dad in Community. <laughs> yeah, that's I should have painted him like that. Oh, man. Exactly. Uh, then I decided to really spend a lot of time and focus on doing some character models. So I did uh, everybody's favorite uncle, Kevin Lannister. And I'm actually really happy with how his face turned out. Like, that was what I'm kind of pushing myself with on these character models is really practicing my faces. But he's totally set and done. That after... was a very solid face. That was yeah. the one where you, when you posted it on the Badcast Discord, everybody's like, damn, that's some primo shit, dude. Yeah, I was I was happy with that one. Uh, then I painted up Quiburn, who his face doesn't turn out as great as Kevin. I think I actually painted Quiburn first. Uh, but that is the most bland model I've ever painted. It's, hey, have a, have a couple of robes, uh, a dagger, and then a face, and that's it. Like, it was just... Yeah, it's, it's an old dude in a robe. Yeah, it wasn't fun to paint. Like, it was just, like, a chore, almost. Like, if you wanted to go nuts with him in the fourth book, he gets a better robe, which is pure white with some gold trim. So, yeah, like... no, this is, this is firmly uh, in the fucking Heron Hall side of things where i've got him painted because ah, his, his are ragged looking yeah well I, yeah. I went with browns just because i've painted so much other shit black he's got like a he's basically wearing three fucking robes i guess one of them's like a shoulder cape thing so i did him in a, a brown shawl. robe yeah yeah and then the shawl i did like a blackish gray 
I mean, it makes sense. He's been on the road with a band of mercenaries, so he's not yeah. exactly going to have good stuff. So, exactly. Yeah, that works. Uh, I painted up, or I bought and painted up a unit of Knights of Castlery Rock, so I can use the hilarious 11-point unit of three Knights of Castlery Rock led by the mountain that rides and just turn oh. something into absolute paste when I hit it. That's, it. That, that's one of those units that's either going to wreck shit or get killed so quickly. It's, it's going to be the second one. It's always the second one with me. You've never had good luck with the mountain. No, I really haven't. Uh, but whatever. He's a fun character. He is. He's scary as shit. Yeah, no, like if he actually gets the set of circumstances to do what he needs to do, he will win. You just got to get those circumstances lined up. I got to set him up for flank charges. That's that's what his yes. real thing is. Oh, my uh, God. If you could get him doing a rear charge, holy shit. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he doesn't fucking he ignores armor anyway, so that's not that big of a deal. But but the bonus, morale bonus is yeah, the morale bonus is the big bet. Uh, I painted up a test model for my Baratheons. Uh, they are silver, yellow, and black. <laughs> Really sounds like Baratheon. Sounds like Baratheon. Uh, and then I put a lot of time into a model that will literally never see the tabletop because he's terrible. And that is uh, maimed captive Jamie Lannister. <laughs> that one is it's probably the model I am most proud of painting recently. Uh, because I got <laughs> the one that'll never see play. The one that'll never see play. But it because I painted him all clean and then I got to spend like an entire afternoon just like griming him up. Cause like, you know, he was wearing his normal good clothes and shit and his nice red Lannister cloak and everything. Uh and then he literally got dragged through the mud for like a fucking year after being in a dungeon for like a fucking year. So that was a good one to paint. Um, the face, I really like how that face turned out because he just has that dead soulless look because I'm still not great at eyes, which fits for him. I mean, it totally fits for that particular segment of the books, too. He's kind of in a bad place. Yeah, he's, he's, he's in a bit of a dark place. Uh, then I painted up uh, the rightful king, Stannis Baratheon. Got, I was about to say, uh, I was like, don't you say Joffrey. Fuck no. I painted Joffrey weeks ago. The not rightful king. The melty potato face fuck. <laughs> Everybody loves a melty potato face fuck. Oh, man. <laughs> then I painted up uh, Alistair Florent for the Baratheons. Got to play with uh, some blues and some grays and things like that on him. Did uh, Lady Errol for them as well. Do they actually, uh, on the models, do they like sculpt the Florent ears large like they describe in the book, or are they too small models to tell? They're too small of models to tell but i mean they do have he, he's got a big fucking nose i don't think they describe the noses yeah that's just always their thing where they're like oh you could tell he's from the yeah, floor because he has giant yeah. fucking ears <laughs> wow guys let's be dicks about it huh uh and then be proud of your ears florence yeah then i ended up uh rolling into 40k now i built an entire kill team of imperial guard with the old school forge world has up or hazard operation suits that have like the big rebreather masks on them and the big backpacks and shit uh oh, i think yeah, it was really cool yeah i think it was 23 of them total because i made every option for the veteran guard the creed kill team uh started painting those guys up i'm doing a a void armor where they are doing it's black armor uh, blue fatigues and white weapons it's uh, it's reminiscent of one of the old um like space pdf paint schemes from back in the day so i was like i'm gonna roll that then i painted up uh the models that i bought in new orleans the house grime mercenary attachments 
Oh wow, it has been that long. It has been that long, but uh, you, you got those when I got Bigby Crumb. I did, yeah. So I painted up them. Uh, those were awesome, fun models to paint. Uh, fucking Judge Dread Chick was great, but Clawfoot Man is still my favorite. And I honestly painted that up entirely because we're going to be transitioning our D and D to a little bit of a sci-fi game. I was like, I just want to play this grizzled old fucking hates everything veteran. I was like, and I got the perfect model for it. Are you doing like a Starfinder or what? For... Um, we're looking at doing D twenty modern actually. Oh, I don't know anybody that plays D twenty. D twenty modern's great. We I played the huh. shit out of it back in the day, but it's it's really fucking solid. Okay. Uh, then let's see the other hobby progress I've got. I've got two units of Baratheon Lightbringers, a unit of Relore Faithful, uh, and a unit of uh, Poor Fellows for the Lannisters because I caught all those on that same sale. That was like the only time you'd seen Relore stuff on sale, right? It was it's the only time I've seen Relore ages. stuff in stock, and it was on sale yeah. for like twenty two dollars. So I fucking snatched them up. Uh, so I've got because all the good. models I need for my Baratheons until I do an all cav list for them. Uh, then the Games Workshop store anniversary, or sorry, Warhammer store anniversary was the other day. So I picked up um, two of the Votan guys and one of the KO guys. Picked up one of the Votan guys for another local player, uh, Eric. So he's a he's a tattoo artist for the Gainesville. He's the one who won the fucking Warhound or the Warlord Titan from Nova a few years back and did like a Don's tattoo on uh, independent characters. And he lives. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he lives like an hour away. Him and I still behind the restaurant talk for like an hour and a half just shooting the shit he wants yeah, me to teach him how to play blood bowl i'm like yeah, yeah i've talked to him on uh, the bad guys discord yeah, before and just, I, nice I, I, I knew he was uh i knew he was a north georgia dude i didn't know he did all that other stuff too it's yeah. cool as hell no he's cool as hell um yeah yeah he's uh welcome to swing by and uh maybe stomp one of us in blood bowl although i have broken the record of new players always getting yeah. a win so well uh it'll probably end up being in a monday and uh level up in lawrenceville just because ah, okay. on Mondays he's out there. I'm like, well, I work in Lawrenceville. Like, hit me up one Monday. I keep my Blood Bowl stuff in the car. Be more than willing to meet and teach. She's like, yeah, I've always wanted to learn how to play it. So there you go. And then the only other hobby progress I believe I've got is I repainted one Bretonian knight. Just for shits and giggles or? To, you know, see how far I've come. I repainted it in the same scheme it was in, uh, but I didn't take a before picture of it because I'm dumb. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you have other ones that you can do that with, though. Yeah, only like 40. Yeah. Yeah, so... you're so, just getting kind of jazzed for Old World, or you just want to... Yeah, getting kind of jazzed for Old World, and I want to put a lot more effort into the Pretonians and really, like, bring them up, since that'll be the only army I play in Old World. Yeah, I mean, you have, what, like, three years of practice since you last painted those guys or something now? Yeah. Dude, it was staggering, the level. Like, when I pulled out these models, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, Because no, I wasn't uh... planning on painting one of them. Uh, I just needed to move them out of the case to transition. I think I was putting... Um, it was when I was putting my Lannisters in a case so I could carry them to our game. I pulled them out and looked up. I was like, oh, fuck. I got to fix these. Yeah, it's uh, amazing how much relatively constant practice over the course of a couple of years will make you significantly better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have one more hobby progress. Did you also get skulls? I... No, I did not get skulls. That would have been great, though. <laughs> that would have been a really great uh, synchronicity. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I built the um, Arcadia pattern Hellhound 
Ooh. You that was the one that you... Fuel tank in the back of it? Was that the one that you found on your backlog like a month and a half ago? Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I it still I'm counts. I the only person who's lost a whole tank, though, because I know that I've got a hydrant that I built. Because I bought it the Black Friday at... Um, our local shop and i literally built it that same day and i can't find it anywhere so i picked up another one of those it's cool one day you'll eventually move and when that happens you'll find it oh my god there's there's probably i'm also missing a single kazarkin model uh which means he probably fell down behind a desk and i can't find him or he fell into another box of random models so Heartbreaking. Like, i know i just yeah it's bad i i can't wait till yeah. i move somewhere where i can put you know a bunch of tables up and just put all of my toys out at once to be like excellent like God. fucking mr burns as i look over it that's all. that's the dream is to have the full really nerd is. basement where you don't have to share it necessarily with a spouse or something you just mm-hmm. you just have your corner and you're just like ah nerd cave fuck corner ain't gonna be enough space for the shit we got andrew yeah yeah well whole basement whatever <laughs> yeah right fucking second house <laughs> Is that a guest house? No, that's my ham house. (laughs) You call this a carriage house. I call it the war. Mother in law suite? No. (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, that's uh, that's all the hobby progress. So mine wasn't a whole lot for fucking I mean, 45 days. It was still pretty good. I mean, that was, that was a pretty good bit of painting, especially if you're pushing yourself on character painting and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, because I was painting one character a day when i was doing it because normally i could just i'll blitz through a unit at a time but i was like nope i just am putting this one model on my painting area this is what i'm painting there today. you go which i hate because then i sit there like dry fucking dry fucking that's dry, why so i can do this that's why i have layer. so many weird uh si- like projects going at once because every time something is drying i'm working on another project yeah but i was trying specifically not to do that because then i'll overload myself or get distracted and not go back to the other one once it dries. Yeah. I also do that a lot, yeah. It's almost like we have ADHDs. I don't. I just have a big backlog. Oh, what's that like? What's it like being normal in your brain? Uh, I mean... It could be worse. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, speaking of worse, uh, what, what kind of games would you play? Oh, that's a transition. Let me bring up my phone real quick. <laughs> All right, so uh, as we uh, said in our last episode, we are doing our current Blood Bowl League, so we've had uh, a few sessions of that in the past almost two months, Uh, 45 days, whatever Tony said. So starting off my games played, I had a Blood Bowl game versus Jess and her Wood Elves, and this one I was honestly really dreading because Wood Elves are uh, like they're they're not hard to hurt you just have to catch them and they're fast as fuck and orcs are not uh and she also has war dancers which are quite possibly the best unit in the entire game uh but the best thing that could have possibly happened for me happened in that i got the ball first so I did actually end up winning this game because uh, I was able to hold on to the ball and do what orcs do and just turtle up and trundle my way across the entire uh, field pretty quickly in like, you know, six rounds as opposed to her two if she'd have gotten the ball. Um I caused so many fucking casualties, like half of her team was missing the next game because she had to come to me to try and get the ball and... Elfie Orc is not a great matchup, and so I got a lot of punching done, and a lot of hurting done, and I 
did put down her war dancer for a game and cause it to get a major injury where he has minus one agility. So for everybody else in the league, you're welcome. So uh, this actually went so much better than I expected to. I thought I would like maybe hold my own and at best tie or at worst, maybe lose by one just because I was able to punch her to death. But no, it actually ended up going pretty well. It was a, it was not bad for me at all. It was a two to one. So I, you know, amazing that I actually was able to win it against Wood Elves at all. I, I didn't lose a person and I killed like half her team. So, hey, there you go. That is, uh, that is indeed Blood Bowl, baby. Uh, after that, I played A Song of Ice and Fire versus Trent. Uh, Starks versus Free Folk. Um, this was a really fun one. I was trying out a lot of... Um, followers of bone combos so i took the weeper as my leader and followers of bone plus the weeper do a lot of morale shenanigans which uh apparently everybody else in the game has good morale except for free folk but Mm -hmm. the followers of bone can actually like reduce that enough to where people will properly fail morale checks which is pretty nice uh the problem was he took a shitload of umber berserkers who don't care about morale so um i did actually get a couple of times where i forced him to fail morale checks but uh, there was also other times where he was by a weirwood the whole time. So he was getting plus one morale the entire time. So it was like um, he had a, a really good strategy going where his Umber Berserkers were attacking my followers of Bone. Um, and he also had his Stark Bowman who can shoot over cover. So he had them sitting in the back and they were shooting into combat while the Umber Berserkers were going. And since the Umber Berserkers were getting the bonus from the Weirwood and already have good morale, they just weren't losing anybody to that. So they were able to just keep chewing through me and then it would go through the shooting phase and they would shoot my guys and just crumbled that entire unit because of that. Um... Bear Cavalry did a pretty good job. The Spearwives did a shockingly good job because they were able to uh, throw and charge into the Great John's flank, did a shitload of damage there. But he ended up just getting me on points. And uh, by the end, I was down to like two units of mostly dead raiders. So it was, you know, just uh, the wins went against me on that one, which was fine. It was a fun game. Learned a lot about how Starks play. So that was pretty cool. Uh, after that, yet more Song of Ice and Fire miniatures game by Cool Mini or Not Game. I really feel like we should just say that name the entire time, do the whole no, thing. A Song of Ice and Fire miniatures game by Cool yeah. Minis or Not? so I played a Song of Ice and Fire miniatures game by Cool Minis or Not uh, against uh, our, our boy Tony, Lannisters versus Free Folk. Uh, lost this one by one point. It was so close. Uh, Lannister, Lannister, how our games tend to go, though? I feel like that's actually how a lot of yeah uh, a song of ice and fire miniatures game by cool minis or not goes actually like most of them have been very close so far um that's why i think that a song of ice and fire's miniatures game by cool minis or not is such a good game because very rarely is there a blowout in it and it it's not bad to come back in one like you can fairly easily swing an objective around yeah like if you can wipe a unit or kill uh the leader of the army or something like you can you can get a couple of points pretty quickly like it's it's relatively fair in that regard uh that being said lannisters are bullshit as always (laughs) um you did have some bullshit with this one it didn't feel as egregious as when you were rocking joffrey and getting the crown with cersei and all her stuff that that's that's the the blood pressure raising combo you were doing um i was doing healing with the high sparrow high sparrow i was thinking pycelle yeah, well, it was it was a combination of Pycelle and High Sparrow. Yeah, Pycelle that was, was given weakened tokens and stuff like that, and then I was spending those tokens to do things to you. And but yeah, the the Sparrow when he claims a zone, I influence one of my units, and then when an enemy unit within short range of them fails a panic test, or is it? Did my influence? I don't remember if it's 
no, it's an enemy unit I influence. When they fail a panic test, I pick one of my units in short range and they heal that many wounds back up to three. Which is uh, really bad against free folk because I have terrible yeah. morale. And I'm um, real good at making free folk panic. Yes, it's a it's a consistent thing with everybody's army in this game. Um, yeah. But I did take a Mance Raider for the first time yeah, and put him in a unit also of hit like a fucking truck though. Yes, no, they're they're a very glass hammer, and uh, I do like that. But uh, I took Mance Raider and put him in a unit of thins, and uh, they just wouldn't die because Mance Raider gives him four up morale save, which is awesome for free folk. And mm. then you just can't affect him like NCU orders, uh, normal orders. They just completely ignore all of that, which was uh, I was it was very nice doing some you know how the turns table against Tony because that's that's very Lannister bullshit. So <laughs> I I was able to do some bullshit to you too, and it was fun. But yes, lost that one nine to ten. Uh, after cross with those but, fucking bear cavalry to death god i fucking hate crossbows they do so much damage those bears should have died so much earlier than that they should have but they still didn't really accomplish that much like they really hurt your what red cloaks green cloaks gray cloaks whatever the fuck they are red cloaks yeah they hit the red cloaks pretty hard yeah but then then you did everything back yeah then you did your picel high sparrow bullshit and brought all of them back from like they were down to three or something left and they all they came back to almost full it was entirely well yeah when the game ended they were totally full yeah, and it's just kind of like, oh, cool, fun, neat. But anyway. If that's the only real complaint we've got about A Song of Ice and Fire miniatures game by Cool Minis or not, that's not Well, the bad. fun thing about A Song of Ice and Fire's miniatures game by Cool Minis or not is that they also, once you know your army, the games go fast. Like, you can be done in an hour or less if you know what <laughs> you're doing. Do. So uh, even if you end up, you know, having one of those terrible snowball matches and you only lose seven to ten or something, you can re-rack and do two or three games in a night if you've got nothing mm-hmm. else going on. But yeah, after that, uh, I played some Age of Sigmar for the first time in a bit against our boy Elias. Uh, my first game with my Heed Knights uh, versus his second game with his, um, wow, well, fuck, what are they called? Corn Boys. Um, uh, Blades of Corn. Blades of Corn. I wanted to say Flesh Eaters of Corn. And I'm like, that's very wrong, but still <laughs> feels fle- appropriate. Flesh Eater Corn. <laughs> God. Um <laughs> This was a super bloody match. Uh, I I did a lot of fun Hedonites uh, fuckery. He did a lot of Blood for the Blood God stuff. I had a really funny... He took Scarbrand and uh, two other Bloodthirsters. So that's how this kind of game was going. And I was like, hey, this is a learning game, you know, right? But yeah, uh, it was still he's fun. Taken it's still in every game. It, it still ended up being really funny, though, because um, I took my Keeper of Secrets as my leader. And they had a special ability where, uh, as their general uh, commander ability, at the beginning of the game, I could pick a unit. And if they're within six inches of my general, they only get one attack. So I did that to Scarbrand. (laughs) And it didn't really matter, because Scarbrand is a thing where you can shit out eight mortal wounds. But it was really funny to be like, Scarbrand charges. All right, swing at me once. (laughs) Uh, So that... I. I could see that being very powerful for uh, a different unit that doesn't shit out eight mortal wounds as a bonus thing. Um, and then I did have uh, a really funny time with my Lord of Hubris because he has a thing where he can beef up the Myrmidesh Painbringers, which are the big armored boys. But he has what I affectionately call the come at me bro skill where uh, he has fight first, but... If you choose to do that, you can instead say, no, you go, I insist. And then whatever unit you say that to has to do all of their attacks against him. And when that happens, he gets a four up ward save. So uh, he was able to 
uh, I was able to get uh, all, one of his bloodthirsters surrounded by him and the, the painbringers, and I charged him in first, and I did that so I could force his painbringer to, or his uh, bloodthirster to not kill my painbringers. And it was just really funny with him being like, here's my 20 some odd attacks all into this guy. He had like just enough to kill him. I did a pretty good job with rolling my ward saves, but not, not, not great enough to save him. And just my 120 point hero died. And that was it. He wasn't able to like, you know, distribute the attacks and kill my other dudes. So I it was able to severely injure that bloodthirster. Still didn't manage to fucking kill it, but <laughs> it was still pretty fun. Um, really, really like the temptation dice mechanic. It is super funny to watch your opponent squirm whenever they fail something and you're like, would you like to pass that instead? And then if they don't, they take D3 mortal wounds. But if they do, I get D6 depravity points. It's a really funny mechanic. And... Um, Elias said he came into that game like resolute. He's like, I will not take a temptation dice. I'll just take the fucking wounds. I don't care. And I got him once. I did get him to take one of the temptation dice. And the the depravity mechanic's really fun. I really like it. Where you just snowball better and better stuff the more you have. Because you start off, uh, what is it? Sixes cause mortals. And then when you get to 24 depravity points, uh, you get a five up ward save for the whole army. And when you get to, I think 36, you get to reroll all wounds or something crazy like that. So it's, it really gets good. And then if you want to, you can spin those to summon demons instead. So like, I, I really like the flexibility of that. I'm very excited to play this army more. Uh, had to call it early cause you know, that's just how Age of Sigmar goes when you're hanging out and shooting the shit. We only got to like round three and then had to call it. So couldn't, necessarily say who was going to win. I was thinking it was swinging his way, though, but, uh, you know, whatever. I'm okay with calling it a draw. Uh, after that, I did play yet another game of A Song of Ice and Fire miniatures game by Cool Minis or Not uh, against uh, our buddy Matt. His uh, Night's oh, yeah. Watch versus My Free Folk, which is uh, a fun matchup. Uh, another one where we called it a draw because we were running out of time and he had to head home early. But uh, this was a really bloody match. And I felt like this was the first game I'd done of A Song of Ice and Fire Miniatures game by Cool Minis or Not, where I actually kind of knew what I was doing with my army and had like some synergies going and stuff. Because I went pretty thin heavy. I took the Great Walrus to make one of them better. I took Ygret to make my Spearwives better. And I was just like bouncing back and forth with all my funky tactics and stuff. And I was like healing people and like killing off half a unit to heal another unit and I, I it was very fun i i feel like i'm actually beginning to understand the army so i'm uh, excited to go against night's watch again but god damn night's watch hit like a fucking freight train <laughs> and, uh, yeah and they fucking survive a hit back too yes they do so he took um john snow is his his leader and then he took a bunch of uh night's watch veterans i think they're called um and Jon Snow has a really fun thing where when you attack him and you miss every miss you have, he gets to attack back that many for free, just like out of the combat sequence. And I was like, oh, cool. So this is a really good army to have a shitload of ranged attacks against that thing that my army does not have. Yeah. <laughs> I have spear wives and hunters with a range of six inches. So it's a. Uh, I would have to I'd have to make a very interesting list if I wanted to kill him with range, but uh, it was it, it did actually feel kind of like a dead tie at that point, like it really wasn't swinging anyone's way. So I would be very interested to play that one again and uh, see how it actually turns out proper if we can finish a whole game. Uh, after that, back to the Blood Bowl League, I played another game against uh, our friend Nate and his Black Orc team. First time I'd ever, like, properly played against Black Orcs. I'd done a half game against them before. 
but um this was a grindy slog fest like just the fuck the middle of the the map was just almost the entire team just punching the shit out of each other the whole time because i got orc biggins which are essentially black orcs but with left skills and then his black orcs have wrestle and brawler and all kinds of fun stuff where he can reroll dice and choose where to throw my guys to whenever he knocks them down so essentially like the entire game is uh eight members of my team just trying to hold the entire line down while i have a couple of blitzers and one goblin running around the side to get the ball and uh it actually worked i ended up winning the game three to zero because i got a couple of really good sacks yes actually sacks tony um it's because he kept trying to set up uh, like troll throws because he had this troll in the middle uh, and he has a bunch of goblins but just I, I have good enough luck with my blitzers and their ability to block and where I was just able to just run around and just smack them and be like oh I only got eight spaces to run to get this touchdown pop 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 there we go so it was uh, I was shocked I was able to get three touchdowns with orcs that's pretty fucking unprecedented but uh, he actually didn't get any casualties. And then the last round of the game, he killed one of my black orcs or my big orcs, just flat killed him, rolled a 16 on the casualty chart, 100% dead. And, uh, you know, I, I did enough touchdowns that I felt like I might have earned it. So it's okay. <laughs> I wasn't too mad about it. Rest in peace, crump head breaker. Um, <laughs> and then after that, yet another Blood Bowl game against Trent, uh, his Nuln Oilers human team. Uh, I have, was able to actually hire Nobla Blackwort, so I was able to uh, pull out my chainsaw-wielding loony uh, 3D printed mini that I uh, had recently purchased. And uh, this was also another very brutal match, mostly going my way on this one. I was knocking his guys fucking left, right, and center. I caused two dislocated shoulders on his linemen, so that's that's a miss next game and permanent minus one to strength unless you want to spend points on it to regenerate that. Uh, I kept trying so goddamn hard to kill his ogre, but I could Dude, not make it happen. fucking invincible. He survived three chainsaw attacks and then most of a game of black orcs and one lineman with Dauntless just punching the ever-loving shit out of him. I knocked him down a lot. Like, he was on he was on the ground for about half the game, but he just would not die. <laughs> so that ended up being a pretty, uh, pretty brutal little slog in the middle of the, the pitch there as well. Um, humans are fast, real fast compared to orcs, so it was a lot of me trying to chase t- Trent down the whole time. Uh, he did a pretty ballsy uh, turn to go for the touchdown because he received the ball first, and he was pretty close to it, but I was able to uh, blitz him with my chainsaw guy and knock his ass down. It was um, Larry Blitz Gerald, who was kind of his star player, who's gotten nothing but skills, and I did manage to kill him with the chainsaw, but he was able to apothecary him back, which was very good because that guy's got a lot of uh, special player points on him. That would have been very rough to see that guy die. Um and then yeah yet another one where i somehow managed to score three touchdowns i don't know how i did it but trent did also manage to score one with uh it wasn't his worst player but his worst player facilitated it he was able to get a pass that he probably shouldn't have he was able to survive a tackle that he probably shouldn't have his his broke ass motherfucker yeah his his two strength lineman who's just kind of like i'm here too guys (laughs) he pass and then dipped through some orcs to get almost all the way downfield. Well, and then I went for the blitz with my my goblin because he was the only guy who could make that. And poor Skrink the Weasel, he he just did a flying headbutt at, at Booger's nuts, and uh, he knocked him down. But he also broke his own neck and died on it. He another sixteen casualty roll, and at that point, I'd already used my apothecary to save one of my biggins. So rest in peace, fucking Skrink the Weasel. You were 
you survived so much longer than I expected a shitty little goblin to. <laughs> yeah, almost a whole <laughs> two, game. Two whole games. Oh, two whole Sorry, games. three. Almost oh, three games. Because I, I got him when I him. when I played against Jess, and then he survived the game against Nate. I totally expected him to die horribly because Black Orcs, obviously. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he got two whole full games in and almost made it three, but... He ended up killing himself, so, you know, rest in peace, you stupid bastard. But yeah, won that one three to one as well. And somehow am currently undefeated in the league. I I don't know how that happened. You are the uh, top seed right now of the six of us. Which which means I'm going to lose horribly soon. We can only Yeah. So uh, that's all my games played. How about you, Tony? I got to roll up next week's matchups. Yeah, so I don't have uh, quite that many. I did have three games of A Song of Ice and Fire miniatures game by Cool Minis or Not. The first one was against a gentleman named Colin, who's uh, from the North Georgia, what they, they call themselves the Marietta Mummers, which I love. <laughs> yeah, That's great. Uh, him and I played a game over TTS. He was playing Free Folk, because I can't... Fu- it's like when I fucking find an army that I get annoyed playing against. That's all I fucking play against. Dark Angels, fucking Grief Oak. Like, goddamn, I can't escape them. I was about to say, yeah, if I want to make a third uh, Warhammer army, I might get some Dark Angels just to see you uh, have a you fucking conniption. Hate your fucking Free Folk like Dark Angels. Fuck it. They could do not? Dark Greens, yeah. Yeah, see, there you go. Problem fucking solved. Uh, but yeah, his <laughs> list was way different than what you tend to run, Andrew. It had um, a couple of Raiders, a couple of Chariots, um... Just some like ran the the bard version of Mance Raider, which gets in my unit and fucks it up, which was a real big pain in the ass when my crossbows. Yeah, I still need to try him out. Yeah, because it was constantly killing some of my crossbows, and then he could do a thing where he sacrifices that unit, he kills that guy, like his Mance Raider, uh, yeah. and my unit then can't be the target of anything for that turn. Which, you know, it's just my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn. But he did it at such a clutch moment, it won him the game. Because it stopped me from being able to take one of his units off of uh, an objective and retake it for myself. So he ended up winning that one. I think it was 10 to 8. But it was 10 Ooh. to 8 on turn 6. Like Thinking it was tactically and shit. It was a good fucking game. We laughed. We had a blast on it. Uh, I had just Kevin Lannister left in my crossbow unit. But they had... Oh, God. You, so it was this one where you pick, like, trophy units... And they each got one of those objective cards dealt with them and had a thing on it. Uh, and my crossbows got, no matter how, like, they always counted as max ranks for attacks. So Kevin Lannister shooting eight fucking crossbows, like uh, oh, like the dad geez. from Boondock Saints. <laughs> Just oh, God. It's <laughs> uh, like one of those fucking... Uh... I've been playing a lot of uh, Tears of the Kingdom. It's like one of those fucking wacky inventions people make where it's just covered in lasers really and spinning was. in the middle of a camp. But the uh, the moment of the game was he had his chariot set up for a charge. Uh, he needed a two to make this fucking charge. And he rolls a one and he had attacked it to let him re-roll it. And he rolls a fucking one again. So his chariot fails the charge takes its panic test i do with uh, i drop one of my cards that give it a minus one and a plus one additional wound fails this fucking panic test takes four wounds and the chariot dies so basically the chariot is careening across the fucking battlefield and just explodes right before it gets to the cross so it just it just bumps in the one rock that was hidden <laughs> under the snow and explodes fucking pops yeah uh, but it was it was a good fucking fun close game he's a cool guy so i uh, want to get some more games in with him at some point in the future then uh our game of course talked about that no need to reiterate that one then i played a learning game for matt 
against his night watch of uh, a song of ice and fire miniatures game by cool minis or not and it was just like a basic learning game uh he got to see what uh barristan and the boys do with an invincible unit but he also had a fucking invincible unit because the night's watch can like reinforce themselves and bring a bunch of guys back and he had like maester aemon and when maester aemon takes fucking um bags it it just gets crazy how much shit he can bring back so we had in the middle of the board it was my my red cloaks squared up exactly with a unit of his veterans and then on one of the flanks was on one of his flanks was my lannister guardsman uh, and then in their flank was another unit of Night's Watch guys. So it was just this weird fucking Tetris block in the middle of the board of four units that just could not kill fucking each other. Night's Watch. They have so Dude. many crazy abilities where it's like, I've given these guys an order. They now get to keep it for the rest yeah, of like the, the game. The vow with like armor and shit like that. You're like, fuck me. And it's like, weren't these guys supposed to be like under-equipped old men and boys like how are they this goddamn good yes serious. well because they're the veterans andrew the veterans well, all eight of them yeah yeah um and then john snow's unit uh i knew how scary ghosts could be with john snow's unit because they could activate it at the same time so you know i, pulled, yeah, I didn't uh, yeah i pulled a red wedding and the first thing i did with my crossbows was i shot ghost like i moved forward and i shot ghost then i took swords to shoot ghost again um then oh i took crown and targeted kevin lannister's unit with his ability to shoot ghost again with the crossbows it took me three bottles of crossbows to fucking kill ghost he just was not fucking failing five up saves i was like are you fucking it's just that scene at the end of platoon we're just getting the fucking shit shot out (laughs) seriously uh and then he had just Jon snow left in his other unit of veterans fighting the warrior sons and fucking rolled snake eyes on a panic test so john snow just ran well he saw how the winds were blown and he's like these guys are literally indestructible fuck this i'm out uh i think i think i won that one i think it ended up going to turn six because neither of us could claim fucking objectives but i don't i don't remember i don't remember who won tetris in the middle yeah but uh, we had it was fun we laughed had a good time which is really all you can hope for in a game honestly oh yeah uh then blood bolt i didn't play any 40k or age of sigma or anything so the game of Blood Bowl, the first one, I played Joseph's Ringer game for his halflings. I took my snotlings in. So it was two tree folk and deep root strong branch versus a snotling team with two trolls, which really just equated to his trees chucking snot or chucking halflings at my guys and my trolls throwing snotlings at his guys the pump wagons both did nothing which is disappointing they both secret weaponed uh, and all they did was they each pushed a halfling backwards as i just rolled pushes uh but i did have one of my goblin uh what are they like fungus flingas the the bombardiers chuck just a perfect fucking bomb that knocked down two of his trees and like three halflings and then my net i was was like oh fuck yeah so i threw my other bomb right uh to try and knock down deeper strong branch who proceeded to catch it with a six throw it back accurately nail that goblin with it and like or the snotling with it like the three snotlings and troll around him and just straight explode that snotling to death so that was pretty entertaining that feels very appropriate for him being as good of a star player as oh, he yeah. is. Uh, and that was the game that we really practiced on 
throwing models. So Joseph learned how to basically throw halflings right to the end zone. Uh, so he ended yeah, up his whole uh, his yeah. whole strategy now is to have two trees and just chuck halflings at, at all works. problems. He oh, just, that guy has has the ball. Rules. Throw a halfling. Yeah. But uh, Joseph won that one two to one against the snotlings. But it was just it was it was all just dumb. Like it was just dumb shit. Uh, the one I scored was my troll with the fucking ball. So no, he, how did he end up getting it? I think he ended up getting oh, it. He end up it, getting like, it? Uh, it? It bounced down the line. Like it fumbled down the line and I rolled a fucking six on the trolls. Like, oh, oh okay. Can't wait to fail the really stupid roll for him to start ro- running towards no, the no, end he, zone. He actually did fine. He did fine. With oh, good. Uh, he did eat like three snotlings. That kid. Well, you know, running the ball is hungry work. He, yeah, he was only stupid because, uh, or he wasn't stupid because he wasn't hungry yeah. anymore. He wasn't thinking about grabbing his Snickers the whole time. Yeah. Then I played my my week two match was against Trent. Yeah, my week two match was against Trent and his uh, his Nolan Oilers. Uh, I ended up winning that one three to two. Same thing, just could fucking not put that damn ogre down. I knocked it on its ass every time I hit it, but I just couldn't kill it. Uh, that He's had was, so much luck with that ogre. Yeah, he really has. That was where um, my rat ogre got his first kill, and it was one of my <laughs> own guys. Just picked it up, <laughs> fucking boxcars to break armor, boxcars for the injury rule, 16 on the D16. Apothecaried it where he just broke his back. <laughs> but he's Only fine. broke he's his fine. back, yeah. He's fine. It was one of my linemen, so whatever. Nah. Yeah, that was the game where Larry Blitzgerald started to really come into his own because he scored, like, both the touchdowns and got, like, two KOs and a casualty. Then in yeah. the Week 3 game, I played against Jess's Wood Elves. So this was right after you played her, so I didn't have to deal with a war dancer. But um, she had to get a bunch of journeymen. But I was also down one of my gutter runners and like three of my good linemen uh so it was just a bunch of linemen a thrower two gutter runners and a rat ogre versus a bunch of wood elves and uh it was just it was a foot race it was just a fucking foot race it ended up being a two to two draw because both of us fumbled on the one yard line going for it like in back-to-back possessions i was on her one and she had enough with a gutter runner and she had like three elves it was like that gutter runner's fucking toast because it's three strength, three things chasing it. I'm only strength two. Like, I got to go for it. Fucking one. Ball falls. Gutter runner KOs himself. Cool. Very next possession, she picks up the ball in the one, gets it all the way to my one, and it's the same thing. She's got one of her elves who's broken away from its its cage too much, and I've got, like, four rats that are all going to be able to get right to it. She's like, I got to go for it. Fucking one. <laughs> so, yeah. It was, I was like, all right, that's fair. I, I'll, I'll laugh that then i played joseph's halflings with my skaven uh which i thought i was just going to waltz into this fucking game and just run away with it i was like i'm gonna fucking put i'm gonna put five on the board in this game i did not um (laughs) i came very close to drawing the halflings and i came worryingly close to losing to them because at the half he was up two to one on me (laughs) jeez yeah uh, for fucking well, I was I was at the table beside you guys playing against Nate, and yeah. I could look over and just see you kind of like, oh my god, what's <laughs> like, happening? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was outrunning him, but I just I could not hold on to the 
fucking ball. Like I'd go to pick up the ball and fucking roll a one, or I'd have like a th- I had a three die block with my rat ogre against a fucking halfling and rolled triple skulls. Like what the wow. fuck? Uh, that was the game where my rat ogre got his second kill, uh, and this time it was against my best player, Peyton Manthing, oh. my thrower, who's got like uh, I think he's got a mutation, two skills. He's been the he was the MVP of my first three games and has like one or two touchdowns and a KO. Like wow. he's real good for a skated thrower. Um, same thing. Fucking failed uh, wild animal. He just picked it up, ripped him in half. But I got to use my apothecary roll, and he just missed the rest of that game. So he's okay. Thank God. The apothecary was able to staple him back together. <laughs> Seriously. Thank God for that fucking Mulder and Scryer technology. Yeah, right. Man. Just uh, stuff him full of warp stone. He'll yeah. be fine. But yeah, j- the same thing. Joseph just fucking hurling halflings. And then uh, um, he was ju- he's just caged up. There were... I had two turns left to fucking score and he had the ball entirely surrounded. And it was like, you know, those like old slide puzzles from the nineties where like, you're trying to get like the ring out of it. Yeah. That was what the pitch looked like. It was his entire team entirely surrounded by my team. And it was just a combination of me being like, push this guy chain pushes here. That opens a hole here. I hit this guy. I I pow him and chain pushes this. And I worked the ball to the edge, knocked it loose and it fumbled out to a corner. And I got one gutter runner who ran it. And I was 11 spaces from the end zone, which I know you're not the best at math like me, Andrew, but that is exactly how far a gutter runner can go if he goes for it twice. So at the bottom of eight, no re-rolls, I had to go for it twice and I fucking got it to score to win 3-2. It was worryingly close. It's nice to get that picture perfect uh, final just over the finish line in the last second, though. Yeah, seriously. But uh yeah, so you are currently in the league in the league at four and oh. Uh I am three zero and one, and then we got a smattering of two twos. I think Trent and Jess are both two two. Yeah, cause wait. Yeah, because Trent beat Trent beat Nate and he beat Joseph, so he's two two. Jess beat the ringer. Oh, and then she plays her week four game against Nate this week. And then Nate beat Oliver. So right now Nate's one and three, Joseph's one and four. Oh, okay. But Joseph's doing Slaughter Day at uh, Nova, so I think he's really got a chance to get best stunty because he's fucking learning the hell out. That would be really funny. That's 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 an accolade to have for sure. It, it really is. Oh um, man, so um, we're uh, we're quite a ways into this. So let's let's just kind of blitz through some of the stuff that's come out on Warcom. All right. Uh, you got any big highlights you want to pull? Uh, well, I can start off one that'll definitely be relevant to both of us, which is uh, General's Handbook 2023 through 2024 for Age of Sigmar got announced. And uh, instead of doing the usual six months like they've been doing the past couple, they're going back to the year-long format for the General's Handbook. And uh, the super special big boys this time are wizards. So that'll be uh, very interesting for most of my armies, except for, you guessed it, Sons of Bayamot. <laughs> no, I feel you. I got a Caradron army now which doesn't have wizards so my uh my slaves of darkness will be okay they've only got like two wizards but they're good at least uh and the heat knight's got a pretty good bit of wizard models as well so that'd be fine and then uh gets got wizards for days i mean they got the gava palooza which is just a unit of wizards so uh, they're fine 
And then yeah. uh, all kinds of fun bonus stuff where they get uh, special spells for this particular season, but then they have a chance of uh, getting hurt a little bit more because these are good spells, and they got more ways to counter spells now. So yeah, it'll be fun. You know, we'll we'll see how it is when it comes out. But uh, they're also releasing the uh, Regiments of Renown boxes at the same time, so that's how we get those cool new heroes that they showed off at Warhammer Fest. Uh, can't wait for them to sell those heroes on their own, though, because I don't need a whole box of Magakin to get that fucking rad uh, Nurgle Herald. And I don't necessarily need uh, another Gobblepalooza. I could do with more Squigs, though, so that box might still get bought just so I can get the, uh, the what was his name? The yeah, Rebel Rouser. The fucking Skull Helmet. Yeah. Dude. So that'll be fun. I'm, I'm excited for those guys. So that'll be cool. Uh, what for you, Tony? What has uh, piqued your interest? Uh, well, this one is, uh, it was talking about the core factions for Old World. And I bring it up just because it got a lot of hate because a lot of factions aren't in it. So the only oh, yeah, factions for Old World are Empire, like old school Empire, uh, Bretonians, Wood Elves, not Sylvaneth. High Elves, no Dark Elves, and the Dwarfen Mountain Holds. Not Dwarven Mountain Holds, not Dispossessed, not uh, Duradane, but Dwarfen with an F. I don't like that. Uh, well, I think it's a copyright thing. I'm sure it is. Then Orc and Goblins, uh, Chaos Warriors, Beastmen, and Tomb Kings. But a lot of people are really fucking upset that there's no Vampire Accounts, Lizardmen, who Lizardmen didn't really play a big part in the majority of the old world itself. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of anger that there's no Dark Elves. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm angry, but I am definitely disappointed that we will not get a, uh, a new Vlad von Karstein model. Yeah, but who's to say it doesn't? You know, they don't expand it later on if Old World takes off. Yeah, it might eventually. So, you know, there's always that to look forward to. But I am very happy that uh, Orcs and Goblins are coming because I could probably just play my gits and, you know, not necessarily have to give a shit about square bases. So. Bingo. Yeah, because there's, there's a whole bunch of companies who are already making conversion movement trays that fit rounds on them. Yeah, because a lot of them are literally the same models. It's just Night Goblins now instead of uh, Gloom's by Git. So that'll be... I've got a built-in army ready to go, but hey, you never know if the models are super fucking cool. I might end up with another one. <laughs> well, no, not you, Andrew. We don't do that. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. us. Definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, all right, what's, uh, what's another one that tickled your, your fancies? Uh, they showed off a little bit more of the Space Marine 2 video game, which is looking better and better. Uh, showed off a smidge more of the gameplay, which, uh, wow, they can fit a lot of Tyranids on screen now. Holy yeah. shit. Uh, showing Captain Titus just mowing dudes down. Uh, but they also announced that it is a co-op game, which I did not I'm expect. Not only a co-op game. That with you, not only a co-op game, but an up to three players co-op game. So that's uh, that's going to be pretty fucking cool. And then they also, at the same, t- same time, announced that there's going to be a Space Marine board game. Not Warhammer 40k, but like Captain Titus versus Tyranids Space Marine board game with a Captain Titus model, which is uh, interesting. We'll... Uh, We'll see how that turns out, but I'm much more excited against for the actual video game. It seems so out of left field. I think they just wanted a reason to have a Captain Titus model, and they're like, ah, we're going to have a shitload of spare Tyranid sculpts around with the release of the Leviathan, so why not? Fair but enough. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they've really explained anything about what the board game's even going to play like, so it could be super fun. Who knows? Yeah. What about you? Anything else, Tony? Uh, they showed off two new whip-ass models for Dawnbringer, the, uh, the Free yeah. Guild Marshal. Uh, and the, what the relic envoy who accompanies them, but dude, dude's got it all, man. He's got a big fucking Sigmar hammer. Like he screams 
old style to me. Like, he doesn't have the new high fantasy look of a bunch of the Age of Sigmar stuff. He's definitely got that fucking down and dirty look to him. But big-ass cloak, big, dumb, baroque helmet, shitty haircut that looks like it was done in a dark alley with a rusty spoon. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, these are... uh... It's a good midway between uh, Age of Sigmar and original Warhammer Fantasy because, like, these guys definitely feel more done up than Warhammer well, it, Fantasy. It's a way more cleric model for sure. Way more filigree, <laughs> way more like detail and wacky shit on his cloaks and stuff, but not quite as full blown crazy as like you know Lord Celestial Prime with his angel wings and shit like that. Like uh, Stormcast can get. Yeah, well, these definitely harken back to the old Empire models. Oh yeah, definitely a lot of influences from that for sure. Yeah. And, and the, uh, the, uh, double. The- Double comet, double tail comet iconography, fucking everywhere. Oh yeah, Sigmar. That's his. You know, uh, that's yeah, his thing. that's always been his thing. Like, though. no, no, I know that, but it's it's everywhere. It's on the back of that guy's hammer. It's on his helmet. It's on his his cloak pin. It's on his. Uh, it's on his cloak. The fucking scabbard. It's on the fucking staff they're holding. Like it's everywhere. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't even realize that's what the doors on the zombie head box. Yeah, were. no, like it. It if it's if it's got a flat space, it's got a twin-tailed comet on it essentially. But yeah, and they also show that there's a bunch of options available for it. So you know the the typical two-handed hammer, dual the, pistol, dual dual pistol build. The the dual yeah, pistol. Yeah, you have. Uh, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> Yeah, fucking sword and board guy and hammer, and then fucking Billy the Kid over here, just like, yeehaw, chuckle flux, let's kill some fucking enemies of mankind. <laughs> you got uh, Paladin, then you got Fighter, then you got Artificer. <laughs> you got the rogue that thinks he can wear plate mail. Right? Ugh. I'm gonna get me fucking started on that shit. But yeah, uh, what else What else you got? Well, they just released uh, some pictures for a new Deathleaper model, which uh, it was in sore fucking need of an update, and I half like this model. There's a lot of cool things yeah. to like about it, but it feels a little overdone. Uh, it, like, he's got the cool face tentacles, he's got the cool stabby arms and all that, like a tear and it should, but he's got a butt cape for no reason. Like, it's, it's probably pretty plain from like the profile that they're kind of going for like a trench coat or even like a batman cape kind of thing but if you spin around to the back it's just kind of attached at his hips so he's just kind of wearing like a skirt yeah (laughs) it's weird it's weird and then he's got a weird like back tail like not a tail tail it's between his shoulder blades which i guess it's supposed to be like another stabbing tentacle but again it's just kind of a weird like if i got this model i might snip that off because then it just looks like he has a cool carapace but yeah, like it's it's like seventy five percent a cool model, I guess. It's a little it's a little overdone, which is weird for a tyranny because yeah. normally they go way 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 too hard on like space marine stuff with like here's all of the relics and shit that they're carrying, but like tyranid butt cape, yeah. Maybe it does kind of look like um you know the skirt thing that like an octopus adds between its tentacles, so maybe he can use it as like a parachute or something. Yeah, it just like it's not a bad model. It's just no, not, definitely not. Oh, it's not what I expected. Maybe he can grab it with his with his claws and kind of like hold it up like um those glider squirrel suit things fly into combat. That's how he deep strikes oh, in. It. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, they uh they also showed off a new Blood Bowl star player or return of a Blood Bowl star player, um Ripper. What is Ripper? Blogwat? What the fuck is this guy's name? Bolgrot. Ripper Bolgrot. Ripper Bolgrot. Bolgrot. Fuck. But uh, he's got big ass glove. He's uh, pointing, calling out his shot. 
but I just love his weird little spectacles. Because he's a smart troll. He has to have glasses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thinking man's troll. Once per half, he may reroll. Oh, he just has a free built-in reroll. And he doesn't have really stupid because he's a smart oh, troll. Oh, shit. That's awesome. I didn't yeah. realize that. And he's strength, and he's strength six, so Ooh. he's he's oh, really so good. Yeah. Uh, he's like 280 gold, 80,000 gold, so he's really That's expensive, pricey. but he's... Oh, but he's really good for what you pay for. Yeah, it's pretty good. Because you're you're probably not going to beat him in a fight unless you're going up against a tree or a good mummy lord combo. Or a chainsaw or claws. Or chainsaw or claws, but that's true of just anybody. Yeah. <laughs> chainsaw beats uh, everything in this fucking game. Except for an except ogre. Except for an ogre. I mean, I, I broke his armor. I just couldn't make him dead. Right. Uh, let's see. After that, we got uh, Grashnak uh, the Black, I think he's called. What is he? Grashnak the Black. Yeah, Grashnak the Great Black Bull. He's the new uh, Minotaur model for the Chaos players. And he's another one that's stupid fucking strong and has frenzy. Uh, He has a once-per-game ability called Gore by the Bull, where when he performs a blitz, he gets an additional die on it. So he kind of has, like, the the horns ability, but even better because he's already crazy strong. So he's probably just going to be rocking three dice against pretty much anybody except for, like, a tree man. So, uh, yeah, he's going to be real fucking mean. Again, probably stupid pricey, though. Yeah, cool fucking model, though. Actually, don't know how much it costs. While you tell me what uh, else you thought was cool, I will look up his price. Uh, well, I want to touch on to something they talked about for 10th edition. So they were going through, because obviously 10th edition's coming out, we've talked about that. They were going through and doing faction focuses, and there's Titans, man. Like, they're talking Titans are coming to it. So, like, they, they showed some data. There's already shows. Titans in 40K, yeah, like ninth Ed. Like, they've got rules, and that they're... <sighs> The Titans for 40k are meant for Apocalypse. They are prohibitively expensive. Like, a Warhound is 2,000 points. It should be about 700. I mean, but you don't think it's going to be like that for 10th edition? They didn't make it sound like that because they're making it sound like uh, Titans are very cool, especially in the new edition of Warhammer 40,000. But where was it? Oh, there was... This is terrible. They said a thing on here before... Where it was talking about, you might see some more Titans coming to Warhammer 40,000. Like, there's a rumor mill that there's going to be fucking plastic Warhound, which would hurt. That would be amazing, and I'd probably get one. But, yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath for Titans being a cool thing this edition. Like, you know, they're always going to be prohibitively expensive. (laughs) Like, both in points and in them dollars. I mean, the Warlord's pretty awesome. It's got 100 wounds. I mean, yeah, but Jesus, that's that's one of those things that the crazy person that owns the store will do for an event. Most people aren't going to rock a Warlord Titan. The Manta is the wildest shit ever, dude. 30, 30 fucking pounds of resin. It's 30 pounds of resin. It's like three feet wide. Yeah, no, it's, it's the, hello, I have lots of money and nobody to tell me no. <laughs> transport. This model has a transport capacity of all of the following. Eight battle suits with a wounds characteristic of nine or less each. Four devilfish, skyray gunship, or hammerhead gunship models. And 200 Tau infantry or tactical drone models. So fucking silly. It gets in a 4,000 point army. Yeah. No, it's... It's... it's, uh, Again, that is an event item. That is not something that'll ever actually see the board. (laughs) Yeah. You do that at like a Nova or an Adepticon. it, It fires 64 burst cannon shots. Jesus. Yeah. So fucking so stupid. So stupid. Uh, And 66, what would that be? That'd be 
66 plus 18 ion cannon shots. Jesus. <laughs> well, I wonder how many points this thing is. I'm going to guess like 3,000 or something. It's got to be at least that. It's only got 60 wounds. Only. Probably has a 5-up invuln. Oh, uh, I think it... Yes, it does have a 5-up invuln. A 2-up normal. Toughness, 14. But yeah. Yeah, so even... Uh... Even a good las cannon ain't busting through that easy. No. Las, so that's the thing is las cannons are only strength nine, I think, still. Which I think they're twelve. Are they twelve? Melt. I know melt is. Yeah, they, they got they got a boost. I think they got a boost in strength, but they're less shots on average. Now. Well, las cannons are always. But they brought back. They, but they brought back twin link, so uh, yeah. you can reroll wounds. Sorry, I'm I'm pulling up a las cannon stat because I am curious because I haven't looked at it. Because I, I watched uh, like a half of a, 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 a bat rep game with uh, tabletop tactics today. It was chaos v space marines. Hell brutes are actually okay now. Hey, there you go. They they've been crap for like ever. Uh, yeah, strength twelve, d six plus one damage minus three. Okay, yeah, so last cannon is strength twelve. Okay, not bad. Yeah, so they'll actually be able to bust through land raiders and stuff. Yeah. Still only wounding uh, Dorns on a four. There's toughness twelve. Well, uh, land, land raiders are also yep. toughness twelve. Yep, but that's still something to sometimes oh, yeah, get through. No, Meltas sure. Meltas get bonuses the, when they get closer though. So even if the strength's not high, they they do have a good job of getting through. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but is there any other uh, Warcom articles you were looking? Uh, at? Last one for me. Yet another Blood Bowl star player got announced. I think this one's totally new as far as I'm aware. But it's uh, what's his fucking goofy ass oh, Nurgle bullshit yeah. name. Uh, bile rot uh, vomit flesh. Yeah, which is just a big old fat guy. He's 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 just your average Reddit mod. He's just a big old fat dude. He's got fucking puke running down his face. His guts are spilling out. He's just happy to be here. Got a little nurgling on his shoulder. They're just thrilled to play some Blood Bowl, man. Uh, 180 gold, which is a pretty good bit. But um, he's a dirty player plus one. Uh, once a game, he gets the uh, the trolls projectile vomit special action. Which he can do even if he's already blocked, which is what makes him really good. And then he's also a strength five, which is real solid. And he gets the normal Nurgle regeneration and stuff like that. So he's uh, actually not a terrible star player for them. So uh, he's got strength five and region and stuff. Just Google. Well, it says region on the the article. Um, Let me bring up his card. I read it before. Okay. No, I I, I thought it was on the. This page, like that, that says that nowhere. Am I just dumb? No, no, they, they just they release the data cards separately. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so they uh, they also released um, points and data cards for every faction. So people are getting in games of tenth already. Uh, theoretically, uh, Andrew and I are going to meet up and try and play one on Monday. In fact, so, yeah, trying to. Uh, I don't know. I guess one yeah, K maybe one of uh, Chaos Marines versus I don't know yeah, Guard or whatever you're feeling it, like playing that day. Guard. That's what I've got ready to roll. You don't have Templars? You always have Templars. I do, but they're not paying it all the way. My guard are. Uh, I haven't read all the new rules yet, I bet, yeah, either. No, I've, I've read more of the guard rules than the Templar rules. Yeah, I've read uh, Chaos Marines and haven't actually looked into Orcs yet, but they're they're next. Yeah. But uh, Chaos looks pretty easy. They uh, they changed how the marks of Chaos system works pretty heavily, okay. where uh, you don't have to pay for them anymore, which is Ooh. nice. Um, and then every time you attack, you can uh, do a Dark Pact, which uh, lets you do your mark bonus, uh, but you have to roll a leadership, and if you fail, you, you still get the mark bonus, but you take D3 mortal wounds every time you fail. Do you also become Battleshocked then? No. Okay. Well, that's good at least. Yeah, that would be fucking That'd awful, because Battleshock hurts real bad in this edition. Brutal as fuck. 
Yeah, that's one of those ones where uh, that's that's what's going to make these games fast. I think is people that can cause mm-hmm. battle shock easy. Man, I really like the Doom Lords models. I think I'll pick those up soon. The uh, Cast yeah. Bubble. I think I might try my hand at uh, flames on them and lava bases. Oh yeah, that'd be fun. Mostly because their their tokens would go real well for that. So yeah, all right. But yeah, so that's uh, pretty much it for the Warcom articles for the past, you know, month and a half. So now hmm. we're going to bounce over to another segment that we have recorded with Trent uh, from, I guess he hasn't been on any of our episodes yet, has he? No. We talked about uh, him a lot. We've talked about him several times. I mean, I've played multiple games against him. Yeah, so let's go ahead and hop over into that interview spend a little bit talking about some of the paint lines we've used. Now, just a quick disclaimer before we get into this one. We did have a little bit of audio issue in the recording. We've done what we could to kind of scrub out all the weird background noises and clicks and animal sounds. So just kind of bear with us on it and uh, let's jump right into it. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, Andrew and I are here with another guy from our local group, Trent. You've heard us talk about him quite a few times. He's uh, one of our regular opponents with Blood Bowl and the occasional 40K. Uh, Trent, tell us a little about yourself. What you got you started in the hobby? What kind of project you've been working on? Stuff like that. Uh, well, I'm going to age myself here, but, uh, you know, I, I started... What got me into this, of course, like a lot of people, was role-playing games, and I started playing uh, D&D way back in, all right, here we go, 1982. So, I uh, was negative six. Y- yeah, 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 I figured I'd hear some of that. <laughs> I was negative eight. Yep, yep. So, uh, and of course, you know, when I, that was when I was, uh, I was like eight or nine years old, so, you know, the miniatures came with that back in the good old Ral Parthal mail-order catalog days. I love and, those fucking movies. Uh, oh, great. so juicy. I, I just want to get one of the catalogs just to go down memory lane because as a kid I would just sit there and drool into this catalog but um you know and, and I played for many years and and uh like like a lot of folks I got got married and had kids and fell out of it and uh you know but I painted for you know about 15 years and, and got out of it for just about as long and and uh picked it back up about I don't know, five or six years ago. Uh, and I pretty much had forgotten everything. So uh, it's been relearning it for the past five or six years. Uh, and one of the people who was drawn to the, the you know, GW world by the lore, not necessarily the game, um, and started picking up minis that, uh, that I like the look of and like the lore behind and, and painting them. Uh, and then over the past, what's it been, about a year, uh, a little bit more, I've actually started getting to, into actually playing the games, which, uh, you know, 40, like you said, 40K sometimes, still learning it, uh, came in came into that right before a new edition was about to come out, so came into it right when everybody stopped playing it, uh, and, um, and really have become obsessed with Blood Bowl. Uh, perfect you know, game. You, you, yeah, you introduced me to that, you know, uh, probably, what is it, about about better part of a year ago, Tony? Uh, yeah, give or um, take. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and be actually being into the games, um, you know, themselves is a great motivator for me to spend more time, you know, back here in, in my room with the hobby. Uh, and so I've been able to, you know, I've kind of combined learning the games with relearning my painting preferences and techniques. So as I've, uh, you know, those two things have improved at the same rate, learning the games and getting back better at painting like I used to be. There you go. 
Uh, so that's me. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty simple story. All right. So, uh, what is currently sitting on your paint table? What are you currently working on? Uh, well, I have uh, I've got my pile of shame for Blood Bowl, but I I am currently working on the Lizardman team, mm-hmm. uh, and I am endeavoring to make them as bright as possible. Um, and I'm doing strictly acrylic layering to do so. Um, so I've finished one Saurus blocker. He turned out really well, I think. Uh, and I'm currently working the, on the, one of the skink, uh, runners. Cause yeah, I'm sure y'all are the same. I do one test model of each different guy. And then I go through an assembly line, the remainder of them. Uh, so that's that lizard man blood bowl team is what I'm working on while I'm reading the uh, new, uh, death, the sevens rules tonight. I'm excited to give some sevens some give sevens a shot yeah honestly i'm like the the page the rules are like one page and it's like yeah do it the same as the regular one but less do this the same as the regular one but less that's pretty much what the rules are limits on uh big guys and how many linemen and so forth yeah and yeah and um and from what i gather uh re-rolls are prohibitively expensive like this game is designed to be fast and bloody and over (laughs) guess joseph will never play sevens (laughs) <laughs> Halflings with no trees. Yeah. Would be awful. Yeah, no trees and no rerolls. Yeah. No trees and road. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So yeah, I'm interested to learn the rules. Uh bring it to the gathering um soon and and kind of have a, a gr- grasp of the rules and then we could all refine our uh understanding of it together. Awesome. Sounds good, man. Yeah. All right, so the reason we brought Trent on is because one of the things that uh, Andrew and Trent enjoy about this hobby a little bit more than I do is painting. So we just kind of want to talk a little bit about some of the different techniques and brands of paint we use because, you know, you don't have to paint Warhammer miniatures to use all these paints. I mean, we have a fair amount of listeners that do D&D, board games, and all of these are very approachable paints to use. You could even be a weirdo and, and do 2D painting with them if you wanted to. Oh, but... I have, in fact. Well, on Vegas. Yeah. But uh, that's not inherently what we're here for, but you know, you do you. I've seen some, um, I, I've yet to do it myself, but I've, I've seen some um, people do some amazing things with, uh, yeah, as you guys know, I'm big into Terraforming Mars, the board game, and, and they have 3D printed um, mm-hmm. markers for the board you can buy. And I've seen some people do some pretty amazing paint job on those 3D printed, you know, uh, 3D printed pieces for Terraforming Mars. It kind of reinvented the aesthetic of the game. And, you know, if I didn't already have like 7 billion miniatures to paint, I may uh, tackle that. Yeah, I would really yeah, seen, like... uh... Go ahead, Andrew. I was going to say, I've seen similar ones for Settlers of Catan, uh, Tony's favorite board game, um, and a lot of lot of other ones where people use, like, you know, 3D tiles and stuff, so it's uh, definitely a skill that could be used these days. Yeah, pretty much every every board game out there, it seems, that, that has meeples, there is a, uh, there's an STL out there, you know, so, yeah. you yeah, know, you can get as creative as you want in that stuff. I still really want to try and print off some of the 3D terrain for uh, Song of Ice and Fire miniatures game by Cool Minis or not, and, you know give that a shot <laughs> yeah yeah the corpse pile would be fun wouldn't it yeah much much creepier than the little piece of cardboard yeah. well, and I forget <laughs> that they're fucking there yeah 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 the, uh... and the tree would be i would you know but if we painted the trees uh, andrew i think you would get the uh nomination on the trees yeah. you've got like nine million trees in your history our tree vet. 
It, yeah, we'll does it count if they're made of meat? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just have to make sure to add lots of rope to the to mm. the sow of trees. Right. Keener listeners will hear my cat slapping the doorknob behind me because he wants attention. I'll have to cut that out. That's okay. They might uh, they might hear the moose snoring next to me. So, well, that's mm. why I locked the door against Paul the Goblin getting in here. Oh, he's well, just we, we described that as Describe that as audio texture. Right. <laughs> the crunchy bits yeah. that make the episode great. No doubt, no doubt. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. I'm I'm sitting here looking because I I did, you know, I, I've spoken to both of you recently. I, I've recently, you know, and no slam. This is no slam on contrast because I know a lot of people love it and use it well, and I just it's just not for me. So I've actually uh, I've actually scrubbed some guys I did in contrast uh, to go back and do an acry- on acrylic. Uh, or with acrylic rather uh, in, in the layer because uh, like a statement I made the other night which is you know kind of a big thing with miniatures I always tell people you know is you know paint it the way that when you're done you like it mm, that's what you know yeah yeah but, you know and that's one of the things with contrast when I would use contrast I just yeah we get them done quickly uh, you know but I, I just when it was done I just didn't really like it you know, it, it didn't really, I didn't like to look at it. Uh, so I decided to kind of stick to, uh, stick to what I was doing with the acrylics and, and, uh, and try and, you know, get, perfect that as much as I can. And then maybe someday in the far future, I'll, I'll put the time in to learn more about contrast. Well, contrasts are definitely good. Uh, they're a step in the process. Like, yeah, you can, if you just really need stuff done, you can get a whole army painted just contrast. But I definitely prefer them as like kind of skipping the shading step on a lot of stuff, honestly, yeah. and then just continuing to, to layer up from there and, you know, work towards volumetric highlighting and all that. They are a tool in the toolbox, just like all these we're going to talk. Yeah. 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 Yep. And I, you know, and I can see the wisdom, certainly, you know, uh, putting down your base coat and then putting a, uh, putting a layer of contrast on top of it to grab those, uh, to grab those recesses, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's one of the things I certainly plan on, um, plan on experimenting with. So let's, uh, before uh, before we get too, too far into this, let's talk a little bit about kind of some of the terminology we're using on this kind of stuff, because a lot of people are, a lot of our listeners are not necessarily deep into the 40k painting um uh but yeah some of the terminology yeah um just the 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 types of paint so primarily we all three use for the most part i believe the games workshop citadel brand of paints yeah they have a very good consistent pigment level mm-hmm. so you can you, if you're getting a you know a pot of uh, uh administratum gray pretty much across the board they're going to consistently be about the same and their so spray cans it, will this, also be the same shade typically, typically yeah yeah and you know and they're you know breaking down breaking down that range you know they have the the metallics and the uh uh, the layers and the and um, and the base, you know, which I've honestly never differentiated with my use. Uh, I don't see an appreciable difference. I, I, spin, I sent them out a little bit. That's really it. Yeah. Oh, that's the only real difference is yeah. the, the bases are thicker and the layers are a little already pre-thinned. Yeah, so the yeah, different I, never... styles that GW has is you've got your base paint, which is generally your, for the most part, your darker colors. Or your darker shades of colors. They're the ones that are going to go under things. They're heavier pigmented. Then you've got your layers, which are generally a step up from that. Uh, Sometimes even brighter. Uh, Your very bright paints are going to end up being layers as well. 
layers are a little bit thinner than base paints fairly pigmented but like everything you're going to hear us say the the duncan too thin coats sort of thing a lot i feel like in this segment yeah and uh worst comes to worst if you're a very visual learner like me you can just like stop the podcast and go and check out youtube because there's a million billion people who can show you how to do this instead of just discussing it uh but then you can come back and continue listening to us because we love you exactly and you know this will give you kind of uh a basic primer on some of the different terms used with it and some of the different (laughs) paint you're gonna see on things oh uh, primer it's a paint joke (laughs) (laughs) jesus (laughs) Uh, the, uh, oh, the other stuff of the Citadel line is you're going to hear uh, like color block and shade a lot if you're watching painting videos and things like that. Um, what uh, base wash layer highlight. So you've also glaze. got yeah, glaze. glaze. So your washes and glazes are fairly similar. Glazes aren't quite as thin as a wash. A wash you put over a model for it to sink into the recesses. Usually those are going to be dark blues, dark browns, dark yellows, blacks, things like that. Usually your washes are not going to be very, very bright colors because they're meant to be shadows. Uh, The next kind of step up from that is a glaze, which a glaze is going to be a not as thin down wash that you're trying to get that color evenly over everything. The contrast. It's a it's a good way to do like fantastical skin colors and stuff. So like a a lot of my trolls and goblin stuff. Like um, every one of my trolls has like a red nose, like they've been drinking. And the way you do that is you uh, make a glaze with uh, you know super super thin down like an evil sun scarlet or even like a caribou crimson or something, and just mix that heavily with a lot of medium and just go over. So that way you still see some of the original color underneath it, but it mostly tints that skin. And it's it's also good if you if you have a a, a small mistake uh, you know somewhere where you can see a few brush strokes maybe you went a little heavy uh, and you can lay a glaze over the top of that to even that out. Yeah, glazes are, uh, like glazes a are great also way to tie shades together uh, instead yep. of exactly. wet blending. Like you can wet blend through eight or nine <laughs> different shades of a green to get to the top of it, or you can just paint them and highlight and then hit it with a glaze, and the glaze will muddle it back together where it's a lot smoother transitions. Yep. So kind of like the, uh, the smudge tool in Photoshop. Exactly, yeah. That's the primarily where you'll the, see glaze used. Yeah, the prerequisite for uh, to do a lot of wet blending is immortality. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen people do it, and I've, I've done it with, with some success, but it's like to do a whole model that way, I, I, you know, the amount of practice mm-hmm. that, that goes there. But I do, to your point, Tony and Andrew, I, I, I use glazes a lot for, uh, you know, when, when an edge highlights is a little bit more high contrast than I yeah, wanted it to be to or, it or something like that. Just, yeah, bring bring it back down a little bit and blend it with the uh, the, the color that it's highlighting. And, and glazes are, are really good. Uh, you mentioned um, you mentioned shades, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if you want to call them washes, washes or shades. shades. It, called, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interchangeable. Um, the the cool thing about shades is, you know, uh, it's like any other paint in a way. Is is how much you apply is, the, you know, directly affects the result you're going to get. And and there's a skill there, you know, because <laughs> we've all we've all hit the agrax too heavily, you know, on something, and and you, you sit there and you have to sponge it back off a bit or whatever. But or when the, you're just starting off and you don't understand quite how much is needed yeah. and you, you smother yeah. a model in it and then it just completely washes out all the detail. Yeah, yeah it, it, it does. This and, is a Sergeant and, uh, Exxon you know, Valdez over here. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's, you know, less is more, you oh, know, because yeah. you can always, it's a lot easier to put on a second coat than it is to, uh, to have that oh shit moment and, and search for the nearest paper towel or sponge, you know. It's like, uh, so I, I love I love shades. I think they're they're great. I believe in uh, heavily in complementary uh, color shades. Um, you know, I, I mix a good bit of uh, let's see um, the uh, the Cassandra yellow. You know, because yeah. I paint a lot of Imperial Fists, and and I've I've made a little mix of that and Agrax and and Nuln and uh, with a little bit of medium in there to to make a recess shading just for the Imperial Fists. So there's a lot of stuff that can be done by uh, by mixing those things up. A lot of cool effects that you can learn with practice. Yeah, and then uh, on the subject of glazes, the contrast paints are very similar to a glaze. So GW's really expanded yeah. out their contrast paint line. I mean, there's every fucking color under the rainbow of a GW contrast right now. Yeah, and and, and I'm going to take back what I said uh, earlier about completely eschewing the contrast because I actually do still use... I even thin them out with mm-hmm. a little bit of medium or water, uh, and I, they are great. When they're thinned out, they are great yeah, glazes, for sure. Like everything else, it's a tool in the toolbox. There's a million different ways to use it. Yep. There is, there is, and, and I'll learn more as, as time goes along. Yeah. You know, and there's 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 other thing, other uh, types of Citadel colors. You know, there's a couple like a range that I never got into. I, I tried, didn't have very good, like the dry. You know, I, see, I, I was, was going to bring that up. Uh, I think yeah. the entire dry line for me is a really rare miss for GW paints. Yep, absolutely. I just, it, I, it definitely has its place, but it's yeah. I, I just don't use it very often. I can never you know, get I it to a, behave like I want it to. I'm sure I could put in the time and the effort and do it, but instead of doing Necron Compound, I'm just gonna dry brush some Runefang steel. Precisely, yeah, because we have the. If you've been doing it for a long time, you do the dry brushing the same way. You dip your mm-hmm. brush, you wipe on a on a on a surface until you get until you're not seeing any on your finger right. anymore, really. And and then uh, and then you hit you know you go uh, you go crisscross across the surface you want to dry brush or in the direction you want the dry brush to go. And it's hard to unlearn that just to get a new range of paints, you know, because you have to unlearn that entire thing and learn a, a, a new paint dispersion method, if you yeah. will, you know. Yeah, what, uh, what were you about but to But that being yeah. said, uh, the the dry t- stuff is just more paint. So even if, if you don't want to use it as a dry brush specific paint, uh, it can still be thinned down and just use as normal paint. Because I oh, actually sure. use, I use Necron compound for the edges of all of my sword or metal or, uh, you know, any, any dinged up metal. It's, it's cause it's like the brightest of all of them. It's even brighter than a rune's thing. Yeah. yeah. And then you've also got the entire layer line and a lot of the baseline you will sometimes find with the air tag on them. So you'll see like Mephiston red air instead of base. Those are meant specifically to shoot through an airbrush. They're thinned out, but a lot of times you can find them really, really cheap at hobby stores because that line didn't take off because GW has the worst paint pots of any company ever. Boy, do they. they, They're not good for an airbrush, so those air paints are usually on sale at places, and they're fantastic because they're already thinned down. Like, you just put a little bit of it on the wet palette, and it's good to go. You really don't even need a true blue wet palette. Just a normal, like, mixing pad or normal palette would be great for those. Yeah, I use, um, for the longest time until I got my wet palette, I use these, uh, like, palette sheets that Mm -hmm. you could get at Michael's or Hobby Lobby, where it's essentially just paper 
yeah, it's parchment paper with like a, a, a very thin sheet of acrylic on one side, essentially. Uh, and those, those are great. Yeah. I use those for ages and ages and ages. I've also used uh, the top of like a Tupperware lid before in a pinch. So yeah, just like a plastic surface is fantastic. You could use a metal surface. Like it really, as long as it's something that's not porous and is going to suck up your moisture, you can use whatever. So what I use for the I mean, I've got to tell you, I use. Go ahead, Trent. I, I, I use, though, the, the palette paper you're talking about, Andrew. Honestly, I use that more than I use my wet palette. Yeah. Uh, I've mainly transitioned to the wet palette, but it, it took it, it took me a long time to wean myself off the parchment paper. I use I use the, the wet palette when I have to, like, okay, for instance, when I switch over from doing my single models on my Lizardman team and go to, um, and go to, um, the, uh, oh, my God. I believe in you. You can do it, bud. Use your words. No, when I'm a, a conveyor line. What is it? Um, batch painting? painting? Batch painting? No, painting multiple in a row. Hey, batch painting. Why am batch. I? But yeah, when I switch to batch painting. <laughs> you both said it. Like, no, like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, so um, assembly line is how what I, that's what oh, okay. I refer to as assembly line. Yeah, so now I'll use my wet palette for that because I'm mixing, you know, la- a large amount of the same color, yeah. and I want it to hold its moisture as I go. So if you do that on a, on one of the sheets, you know, you're you're gonna you're gonna gum up, you know, you're gonna gum up as you know after about thirty minutes, if that, uh, and uh, where it's unusable. Get it on a wet palette, as you guys know, you yeah. can you can uh, you can mix a freaking puddle in there and come back two days later. <laughs> so, you know, if you've got it, if you've got it mixed correctly. So the first so. thing I used instead of oh. parchment paper was I actually went to Home Depot and got a one of their little twenty-five cent like ceramic tiles that you do like backsplashes and shit with. Yeah, dude, that thing's great. I had used that for the longest time and just kept a couple of razor blades on my hobby desk when it got too gunky. Just just slide it across and cleaned it right up. Yeah, I got a yeah. stack of those out in my They're shop great. Um, that, great that I used it. to use for the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The first thing I used was one of those, you know, dollar twenty-five, just like little kids' uh, paint palettes mm-hmm. that you could get. That was yeah. plastic, and same thing. Once it gets too gummy, you just scrape it mm-hmm. off. So you know, you can use pretty much whatever. Yeah, yeah. and another uh, another part of the the Citadel uh, line that that I love is the. Uh, the and, oh, I was about to bring that up. Those are those are the best. Like. For for effects, there's let's see. Everyone's favorite is Blood for the Blood God because it's amazing. Like it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's perfect. It it literally always looks like wet blood. There's also uh, Tesseract Glow is a really nice technical paint to get this fluorescent green. So if you're doing uh, like hyper bright plasma coils or the Necron guns, things like that. There's yep, and let's not. Nurgle's rod, Nurgle's love rod. Uh, Nurgle's it's rod. Not in a bottle. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's fabulous. That's my go-to for uh, radioactive sludge. I, I yep. love it. And there's, uh, yeah. there's the the hexray flame that I always yep. use to, uh, under underneath. You know the tesseract glow. It gives it a little bit of depth. Uh, and then there's some that I have, and I'm looking through my pots as we're talking. Uh, there's some that I have that I haven't really uh, messed with too much. I haven't messed too much with the Soul Stone Blue. Okay, so all uh, the Soul Stones give you beautiful gems. You paint a really bright silver on them, and then you paint that across, and it it looks like a sapphire or the or emerald or ruby. They're they're great. I have a handful of those. Uh, what's the other one? Not yeah, Hexray Flame. Hexray Flame's the green one, right? 
Yeah, Hexray Flames the what's green the blue one. one um, called? There's there's the one I just mentioned. There's the might just be like Nighthaunt something. Nighthaunt Gloom. Nighthaunt Gloom. Yes, thank you. But yeah. those, if you want to paint an army of ghosts fast, they're perfect. Um, do just a Zenithal Prime, like prime your models. Don't prime them black, but prime them like gray, and then take a white rattle can and shoot straight from the top on them. Paint them in that, and you've painted a ghost in fucking thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah those, those two were proto contrasts yeah, essentially yeah. when they came out too. Yeah, they're you know some of those those, those technicals are, are really good and they look so great on a base. Um, and it's like anything else once you once you learn how to to base underneath them and put them on and you know the order to put them on there and the thickness and consistency you can get some amazing effects like blood for the blood god I I, I did a you know because I love basing so sometimes if I don't feel like painting a mini itself I'll just get out a, a 32 or a 40 millimeter base and just go to town making a cool base and um, and never use it for anything other than the fun. Uh, but I came up with an idea. I got a, a, a toothpick and carved it up and, you know, made like a demonic setting out of uh, uh, carved up toothpicks and, and primed and painted them on the base and and then mixed, uh, I put a little separate pot and mixed some Blood for the Blood God with some sand and it came out as this goopy, nasty guts yeah. uh, that I put all over the, you know, the, the carved up toothpicks and everything and it was just a, so there's just so many different things you can do with the uh with the technicals it, it makes basing so much fun yeah oh yeah and the with those the technicals you can do anything from just super basic mud and dirt or desert or uh you know martian terrain or crackly lava effects no. like you, you can go pretty wild with them yep and anybody who's listening that that is endeavoring to learn and, and perfect dry brushing do bases yep. I mean, you can really learn dry brushing really well doing some of the technicals on a base and seeing, you know, how the paint transfers from the brush when you're dry brushing the textured bases. It really, uh, it really helps learn that aspect of the hobby. Yeah, that's, that's a great tip for learning dry brushing is base, like the, the texture paints on bases. Uh, you can also do it like everybody who's built models has random bits on sprue they're never going to use. That's a great way to test it too. One of uh, the cool things that I've seen that people who are like wanting to to try out a bunch of contrast paints, they'll take and get the like the Necromunda bases or the what are they the Sector Imperialis bases? Because a lot of times you can find those kind of bases for cheap because they were included with random stuff, and then they just spray them all gray and then they'll paint the contrast over them and just glue them to the top of the side of the pot. That way they have a visual representation of what that contrast or what that wash, what that glaze, what that technical is going to look like as well. Yeah. And as an aside, aren't those Necromunda bases so oh, fun? They're great. I they're freaking fun, love those. Fun thing to paint. Hazard stripes for days. Yeah, for days, and then you got like the the like the captains or whatever have well their bases have like the skull mm-hmm. with the the like the mechanica circle around them, the cogs around yeah, them. There's, there's just so many things you can do. I love them. That's great for testing out your uh, rust and grime oh, yeah. effects yep. and all that and, too. And I actually put some Nurgle's rot down the channels in a few of mine, you know, because they're in the undercity. It's just gross, and there's sludge everywhere, and it just looks great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, bases are a really fun thing to paint. Uh, also, if you're getting started out painting and just want to kind of try your hand at something, 
those D and D minis, the like Nolzer's magnificent minis or whatever, they're yep, not super duper detailed, but they're not like putty. They all look better than Joffrey from uh, a Song of Ice and Fire <laughs> miniatures game from Cool Minis. My God, I could get a piece. I could get a piece of GW sprue and take an acetylene torch to it, and it would look better than that Joffrey it's model. Bad. Yours yeah. looks like it, it fell down some stairs or something. It's there's it's a little rough. It's it's, it's yeah. like it's, it's like bad. Joffrey. It looks like Joffrey after the poison. It's, it was it's like hey, spoiler alert, and a, man. another uh, spoiler yeah. for a twenty year old book. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, but also if if you really want to get some um, some cheaper minis that are you know minor detail, you know, just get your your brush control down. I mean, you could always go with the like the dark heaven stuff. Um, yeah, the Reaper. Yeah, yeah. Those guys are like three bucks a model I, at this I point. I find the Reaper minis are a little too bendy to teach people on. Um, yeah, I can kind of see the that. The GW ones uh, have it, a little bit is, of bend to them, but I feel like the Reaper ones have a way worse bend. But that may just be well, the ones it, that I've messed with. It, it's pretty, just a, it's a super economical yeah. way to to get your brush control down. Yeah. Um. You know, yeah. and, and if and you can get course, one of those looking good, they're they're such chunky details that uh, yeah. once you get moved to something that's got very good details, like a D or a, a GW model, then you can really get those nailed down. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and about and and GW. What else do you guys use? Uh, what other brands do you guys? Uh, use? There's quite a few that I use, but I think it's pretty safe to say that for the most part, GW has the best paints out there for a hobby painter not for somebody going after your golden demons your capital palettes your crystal brushes there's way more specialized paints that i don't have any experience with that people like that use all right welcome back everybody uh andrew and i are here with another guy from our local group trent you've heard us talk about him quite a few times he's uh one of our regular opponents with Blood Bowl and the occasional 40k. Uh, Trent, tell us a little about yourself. What you got you started in the hobby? What kind of project you've been working on? Stuff like that. Uh, well, I'm going to age myself here, but uh, you know, I, I started what got me into this, of course, like a lot of people, was role playing games. And I started playing uh, DD way back in, all right, here we go, 1982. So, I was uh, negative six. Yeah, 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 I figured I'd hear some of that. <laughs> I was negative eight. Yep, yep. So, uh, and of course, you know, when I, that was when I was uh, I was like eight or nine years old. So, you know, the miniatures came with that back in the good old Ral Partha mail order catalog days. I love and, those fucking uh, Oh, fuck, great. so great. I, <clears throat> I just want to get one of the catalogs just to go down memory lane because as a kid, I would just sit there and drool into this catalog. But, um you know, and, and I played for many years, and and uh, like like a lot of folks, I got got married and had kids and fell out of it, and uh, you know, but I painted for you know about fifteen years and, and got out of it for just about as long, and and uh, picked it back up about I don't know five or six years ago, uh, and I pretty much had forgotten everything, so uh, it's been relearning it for the past five or six years, uh, and one of the people who was drawn to the the you know GW world by the lore, not necessarily the game, um, and started picking up minis that uh, that I like the look of and like the lore behind and, and painting them. 
Uh, and then over the past, what's it been, about a year, uh, a little bit more, I've actually started getting to, into actually playing the games, which, uh, you know, 40, like you said, 40K sometimes, still learning it. Uh, came in came into that right before a new edition was about to come out. So came into it right when everybody stopped playing it. Uh, and, um, and really have become obsessed with Blood Bowl. Uh, you know, since you, you, yeah, you introduced me to that, you know, uh, probably, what is it, about about better part of a year ago, Tony? Uh, yeah, give or uh, take. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and be actually being into the games, um, you know, themselves is a great motivator for me to spend more time, you know, back here in, in my room with the hobby. Uh, and so I've been able to, you know, I've kind of combined learning the games with relearning my painting preferences and techniques. So as I've, uh, you know, those two things have improved at the same rate, learning the games and getting back better at painting like I used to be. There you go. Uh, so that's me. Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty simple story. All right. So uh, what is currently sitting on your paint table? What are you currently working on? Uh, well, I have, uh, I've got my pile of shame for Blood Bowl, but I, I am currently working on the Lizardman team. Uh, and I'm endeavoring to make them as bright as possible, um, and I'm doing strictly acrylic layering to do so. Um, so I've finished one Saurus blocker. He turned out really well, I think, uh, and I'm currently working the, on the one of the Skink uh, runners because, yeah, I'm sure y'all are the same. I do one test model of each different guy, and then I go through an assembly line the remainder of them. Uh, so that's that lizard man blood bowl team is what I'm working on while I'm reading the uh, new uh, death the sevens rules tonight. I'm excited to give some sevens some give sevens a shot. Yeah, honestly, I'm like the the page the rules are like one page and it's like a, yeah, do it the same as the regular one but less. Do this the same as the regular one but less. That's pretty <laughs> much what the rules are. Limits on uh, big guys and how many linemen and so forth. Yeah, and yeah, and um, and. From what I gather, uh, re-rolls are prohibitively expensive. Like, this game is designed to be fast and bloody and over. <laughs> Guess Joseph will never play sevens. <laughs> Halflings with no trees. Yeah. would be awful. No trees and no re-rolls. Yeah. No trees and no Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So, yeah, I'm interested to learn the rules. Uh, bring it to the gathering um, soon and, and kind of have a, a gr- grasp of the rules. And then we can all refine our... Uh, understanding of it together awesome sounds good man yeah all right so the reason we brought trent on is because one of the things that uh andrew and trent enjoy about this hobby a little bit more than i do is painting so we just uh kind of want to talk a little bit about some of the different techniques and brands of paint we use because you know you don't have to paint Warhammer miniatures to use all these paints. I mean, we have a fair amount of listeners that do D&D, board games, and all of these are very approachable paints to use. You can be a weirdo and, and do 2D painting with them if you wanted to. Oh, right? I have, in fact. Well, on Vegas. Yeah. But uh, that's not inherently what we're here for, but you know, you do you. I've seen some... Um, I, I've yet to do it myself, but I've, I've seen some... Um, 
people do some amazing things with uh yeah you guys know i'm big into terraforming mars the board game and and they have 3d printed um Mm -hmm. markers for the board you can buy and i've seen some people do some pretty amazing paint job on those 3d printed you know uh 3d printed pieces for terraforming mars it kind of reinvented the aesthetic of the game and you know if i didn't already have like seven billion miniatures to paint i may uh tackle that yeah i would really uh, go ahead andrew I was going to say, I've seen similar ones for Settlers of Catan, uh, Tony's favorite board game, um, and a lot of lot of other ones where people use like you know 3D tiles and stuff. So it's uh, definitely a skill that could be used these days. Yeah, pretty much every every board game out there it seems that, that has meeples. There is a uh, there's an STL out there, you know. So yeah, yeah, you, know, you can get as creative as you want in that stuff. I still really want to try and print off some of the 3D terrain for. Uh, Song of Ice and Fire miniatures game by Cool Minis or not, and you know, give that a <laughs> shot. Yeah, yeah, the corpse pile would be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, much much creepier than the little piece of cardboard. Yeah. Well, and I <laughs> forget that they're fucking there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh... And the tree would be. I would, you know, but if we painted the trees, uh, Andrew, I think you would get the uh, nomination on the trees. Yeah. You've got like nine million trees in your history. Our tree bud. <laughs> It's, yeah, we'll does it count if they're made of meat? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just have to make sure to add lots of rope to the to mm. the sow of trees. Keen eared listeners will hear my cat slapping the doorknob behind me because he wants attention. We'll have to cut that out. That's okay. They might uh, they might hear the moose snoring next to me. So, well, that's mm. why I lock the door against Paul the Goblin getting in here. Oh, he's just we, being we described that as a bowl. Describe that as audio texture, right? <laughs> <laughs> the crunchy bits yeah. that make the episode great. No doubt, no doubt. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. I'm I'm sitting here looking because I I did, you know, I, I've spoken to both of you recently. I, I've recently, you know, and no slam. This is no slam on contrast because I know a lot of people love it and use it well. And I just it's just not for me. So I've actually uh, I've actually scrubbed some guys I did in contrast uh, to go back and do it on acrylic. Uh, or with acrylic rather uh, in, in the layer because uh, like a statement I made the other night which is you know kind of a big thing with miniatures I always tell people you know is you know paint it the way that when you're done you like it yeah, that's what you know yeah yeah you know and that's one of the things with contrast when I would use contrast I just yeah we get them done quickly uh, you know but I, I just when it was done I just didn't really like it you know, it, it didn't really, I didn't like to look at it. Uh, so I decided to kind of stick to, uh, stick to what I was doing with the acrylics and, and, uh, and try and, you know, get perfect that as much as I can. And then maybe someday in the far future, I'll, I'll put the time in to learn more about contrast. Well, contrasts are definitely good. Uh, they're a step in the process. Like, yeah, you can, if you just really need stuff done, you can get a whole army painted just contrast. But I definitely prefer them as like kind of skipping the shading step on a lot of stuff, honestly, yeah. and then just continuing to, to layer up from there and, you know, work towards volumetric highlighting and all that. They are a tool in the toolbox, just like all these we're going to talk. Yeah. 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 Yep. And I, you know, and I can see the wisdom, certainly, you know, uh, putting down your base coat and then putting a, uh, putting a layer of contrast on top of it to grab those uh to grab those recesses mm-hmm. you know and that's one of the things i certainly plan on um plan on experimenting with so let's well, uh, like, before, uh, before we get too too far into this let's talk a little bit about kind of some of the terminology we're using on this kind of stuff because a lot of people are a lot of our listeners are not necessarily deep into the 40k painting um uh 
but yeah, some of the terminology, yeah. Um, just the, the, the types of paint. So primarily, we all three use, for the most part, I believe, the Games Workshop Citadel brand of paints. Yeah, they have a very good consistent pigment level. Mm -hmm. So you can, you, if you're getting a, you know, a pot of uh, uh, administratum gray, pretty much across the board, they're going to consistently be about the same. And their so spray cans will it's, also be the same shade. Typically, typically. yeah. Yeah, and you know, and they're you know breaking down, breaking down that range. You know, they have the the metallics and the. Uh, uh, the layers and the and um, and the base, you know, which I've honestly never differentiated with my use. Uh, I don't see an appreciable difference. I, I spent I sent them out a little bit. That's really it. Yeah, well, that's the only real difference is yeah. the the bases are thicker and the layers are a little already pre thinned. Yeah, so the yeah, different I, styles that GW has is you've got your base paint, which is generally your, for the most part, your darker colors or your darker shades of colors. They're the ones that are going to go under things. They're heavier pigmented. Then you've got your layers, which are generally a step up from that. Uh, sometimes even brighter. Uh, your very bright paints are going to end up being layers as well. Layers are a little bit thinner than base paints, fairly pigmented. But like everything, you're going to hear us say the, the Duncan too thin coats sort of thing a lot, I feel like, in this segment. Yeah, and uh, worst comes to worst, if you're a very visual learner like me, you can just like stop the podcast and go and check out YouTube because yeah. there's a million billion people who can show you how to do this instead of just discussing yeah. it. Uh, but then you can come back and continue listening to us because we love exactly. you. Exactly, and you know this will give you kind of uh, a basic primer on some of the different terms used with it and some of the different <laughs> of paint you're going to see on things. Oh, uh, primer! Sorry, it's a paint joke. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, uh, the other stuff of the Citadel line is you're going to hear uh, like color block and shade a lot if you're watching painting videos and things like that. Um, what uh, base wash layer highlight. So you've also glaze. got yeah, glaze. glaze. So your washes and glazes are fairly similar. Glazes aren't quite as thin as a wash. A uh, wash you put over a model for it to sink into the recesses. Usually those are going to be dark blues, dark browns, dark yellows, blacks, things like that. Usually your washes are not going to be very, very bright colors because they're meant to be shadows. Uh, the next kind of step up from that is a glaze, which a glaze is going to be a not as thin down wash that you're trying to get that color evenly over everything. The contrast. It's a, it's a good way to do like fantastical skin colors yes. and stuff. Yes. So like a, a lot of my trolls and goblin stuff, like um, every one of my trolls has like a red nose, like they've been drinking. And the way you do that is you uh, make a glaze with, uh, you know, super, super thin down like an evil sun scarlet or even like a caribou crimson or something. And just mix that heavily with a lot of medium and just go over. So that way you still see some of the original color underneath it, but it mostly tints that skin. And it's it's also good if you if you have a, a, a small mistake, uh, you know, somewhere where you can see a few brush strokes. Maybe you went a little heavy uh, and you can lay a glaze over the top of that to even that yeah, out. Glazes are, uh, and glazes are also a way to tie shape together uh instead exactly. of wet blending like you can wet blend through eight or nine <laughs> different shades of a green to get to the top of it or you can just paint them and highlight and then hit it with a glaze and the glaze will muddle it back together where it's a lot smoother transition yep. so kind of like the, uh, the smudge tool in photoshop exactly yeah that's the primarily where you'll the, see a glaze used 
Yeah, the prerequisite for uh, to do a lot of wet blending is immortality. Oh, they, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen people do it, and I've I've done it with with some success. But it's like to do a whole model that way. I, I you know, the amount of practice mm-hmm. that, that goes there. But I do, to your point, Tony and Andrew, I, I, I use glazes a lot for, uh, you know, when, when an edge highlights is a little bit more high contrast than I yeah, wanted it to be to or, it or something like that. Just, yeah, bring bring it back down a little bit and blend it with the uh, the, the color that it's highlighting. And, and glazes are, are really good. Uh, you mentioned um, you mentioned shades, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if you want to call them washes, washes or shades. shades. It, called, yeah. 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 It's kind of interchangeable. Um, the the cool thing about shades is, you know, uh, it's like any other paint in a way is, is how much you apply is, the, you know, directly affects the results you're going to get. And, and there's a skill there, you know, because <laughs> we've all we've all hit the agrax too heavily, you know, on something and, and you, you sit there and you have to sponge it back off a bit or whatever. But or when the, you're just starting off and you don't understand quite how much is needed yeah. and you, you smother yeah. a model in it and then it just completely washes out all the detail. Yeah, yeah it, it, it does. It, is a and, uh, Exxon you know, Valdez over here. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's, you know, less is more, you know, because oh, yeah. you can always, it's a lot easier to put on a second coat than it is to uh, to have that oh shit moment and, and search for the nearest paper towel or sponge, you know. It's like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> So I, I love I love shades. I think they're they're great. I believe in uh, heavily in complementary uh, color shades. Um, you know, I, I mix a good bit of uh, let's see um, the uh, the Cassandra yellow. You know, because yeah. I paint a lot of Imperial fists, and and I've I've made a little mix of that and Agrax and and Nuln and uh, with a little bit of medium in there to to make a recess shading just for the Imperial fists. So there's a lot of stuff that can be done by uh, by mixing those things up. A lot of cool effects that you can learn with practice. Yeah, and then uh, on the subject of glazes, the contrast paints are very similar to a glaze. So GW's really expanded yeah. out their contrast paint line. I mean, there's every fucking color under the rainbow of a GW contrast right now. Yeah, and 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 I'm going to take back what I said uh, earlier about completely eschewing the contrast because I actually do still use... I even thin them out with mm-hmm. a little bit of medium or water, uh, and I, they are great. When they're thinned out, they are great yeah, glazes, for sure. Like everything else, it's a tool in the toolbox. There's a million different ways to use it. Yep. There is. There is. And, and I'll learn more as, as time goes along. Yeah. You know, and there's 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 other thing, other uh, types of Citadel colors. You know, there's a couple like a range that I never got into. I, I tried, didn't have very good, like the dry. You know, See, I, I, I was, I I was going to bring that up. Uh, I think yeah. the entire dry line for me is a really rare miss for GW paints. Yep, absolutely. I just, it, I, it definitely has its place, but it's yeah, I, I just don't use it very often. I can never you know, get I it to up. behave like I want it to. I'm sure I could put in the time and the effort and do it, but instead of doing Necron compound, I'm just going to dry brush some Runefang steel. Precisely. Because we have the, if you've been doing it for a long time, you do the dry brushing the same way you dip your brush, Mm -hmm. you wipe on a, on a, on a surface until you get, until you're not seeing any on your finger anymore, really. And, and then, uh, and then you hit, you know, you go, uh, 
you go crisscross across the surface you want to dry brush or in the direction you want the dry brush to go. And it's hard to unlearn that just to get a new range of paints, you know, because you have to unlearn that entire thing and learn a, a, a new paint dispersion method, if you yeah. will, you know. Yeah, what, uh, what were you about but to that being yeah. said, uh, the the dry t- stuff is just more paint. So even if if you don't want to use it as a dry brush specific paint, uh, it can still be thinned down and just use as normal paint. Because I oh, actually sure. use I use Necron compound for the edges of all of my sword or metal or uh, you know any any dinged up metal. It's it's because it's like the brightest of all of them. It's even brighter than a rune's fang. Yeah. Yeah, and then you've also got the entire layer line and a lot of the baseline you will sometimes find with the air tag on them. So you'll see like Mephiston Red Air instead of Base. Those are meant specifically to shoot through an airbrush. They're thinned out, but a lot of times you can find them really, really cheap at hobby stores because that line didn't take off because GW has the worst paint pots of any company ever. Boy, do they. they. They're not good for an airbrush. So those air paints are usually on sale at places and they're fantastic because they're already thinned down. Like you just put a little bit of it on the wet palette and it's, it's good to go. You really don't even need a true blue wet palette. Just a normal like mixing pad or normal palette will be great for those. Yeah, I use um for the longest time until I got my wet palette. I use these uh, like palette sheets that you mm-hmm. could get at Michael's yeah, or Hobby like Lobby where it's yeah, essentially it's- just paper. Yeah, it's parchment paper with like a, a very thin sheet of acrylic on one side, essentially. Uh, and those, those are great. Yeah. I use those for ages and ages and ages. I've also used uh, the top of like a Tupperware lid before in a pinch. So yeah, just like a plastic surface is fantastic. You could use a metal surface. Like it really, as long as it's something that's not porous and is going to suck up your moisture, you can use whatever. So what I use, I mean, I've got to tell you, I use, go ahead, Trent. I, I, I use, though, the, the palette paper you're talking about, Andrew. Honestly, I use that more than I use my wet palette. Yeah. Uh, I've mainly transitioned to the wet palette, but it, it took it, it took me a long time to wean myself off the parchment paper. I use I use the, the wet palette when I have to, like, okay, for instance, when I switch over from doing my single models on my Lizardman team and go to, um, and go to, um, the uh, oh, my God. I believe in you. You can do it, bud. Use your words. No, when I'm a, a conveyor line. What is it? Um, batch painting? painting? Batch mul- painting? No, painting multiple in a row. Oh, batch painting. Why am batch- I? Ba- yeah, when I switch to batch painting. <laughs> you said it, you like, no, like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, so um, assembly line is how what I, that's what oh, okay. I refer to as assembly line. Yeah, so now I'll use my wet palette for that because I'm mixing, you know, lo- a large amount of the same color, yeah. and I want it to hold its moisture as I go. So if you do that on a, on one of the sheets, you know, you're you're gonna you're gonna gum up, you know, you're gonna gum up as you know after about thirty minutes, if that, uh, and uh, where it's unusable. Get it on a wet palette, as you guys know, you can yeah. you can uh, you can mix a freaking puddle in there and come back two days later. <laughs> so, you know, if you've got it, if you've got it mixed correctly. So the first so. thing I used instead of parchment paper was I actually went to Home Depot and got a one of their little twenty-five cent like ceramic tiles that you do like backsplashes and shit with. Yeah, dude, that thing's great. I had used that for the longest time and just kept a couple of razor blades on my hobby desk when it got too gunky. Just just slide it across and cleaned it right up. Yeah, I got a yeah. stack of those out in my They're shop great. Um, that, great that I used to use for the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The first thing I used was one of those, you know, dollar twenty-five 
just like little kids uh, paint palettes mm-hmm. that you could get that was yeah. plastic and same thing once it gets too gummy you just scrape it off so you know you can use pretty much whatever yeah, yeah. and another uh, another part of the the Citadel uh, line that that I love is the uh, and, oh, I was about to bring that up those are those are the best like for for effects there's let's see everyone's favorite is blood for the blood god because it's amazing like it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's perfect it, it literally always looks like wet blood there's also uh tesseract glow is a really nice technical paint to get this fluorescent green so if you're doing uh like hyper bright plasma coils or the necron guns things like that there's yep and let's not nurgle's rod nurgle's love rod. Nurgle's oh, it's rod. not in a bottle yeah, oh, yeah, it's fabulous. That's my go-to for uh, radioactive sludge. I, I yeah, love it. And there's, uh, yeah. there's the, the Hexray Flame that I always yep. used uh, under, underneath, you know, the Tesseract Glow. It gives it a little bit of depth. Uh, and then there's some that I have, and I'm looking through my pots as we're talking. Uh, there's some that I have that I haven't really uh, messed with too much. I haven't messed too much with the Soul Stone Blue. Okay, so all uh, the Soul Stones give you beautiful gems you paint a really bright silver on them and then you paint that across and it it looks like a sapphire or the or emerald or ruby they're they're great i have a handful of those uh what's the other one not hexray flame hexray flame's the green one right yeah hexray flame's the green one one Um, called there's there's the one I just mentioned. There's the might just be like Nighthawk something. Nighthawk Gloom. Um, Nighthawk Gloom. Yes, thank you. But yeah. those, if you want to paint an army of ghosts fast, they're perfect. Um, do just a zenithal prime, like prime your models. Don't prime them black, but prime them like gray, and then take a white rattle can and shoot straight from the top on them. Paint them in that, and you've painted a ghost in fucking thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah those, those two were proto contrasts yeah, essentially yeah. when they came out too. Yeah, you know, some of those, those, those technicals are, are really good, and they look so great on a base. Um, and it's like anything else. Once you once you learn how to, to base underneath them and put them on, and you know, the order to put them on there, and the thickness and consistency, you can get some amazing effects. Like Blood for the Blood God, I, I, I did, a, you know, because I love basing. So sometimes if I don't feel like painting a mini itself, I'll just get out a, a 32 or a 40 millimeter base and just go to town making a cool base and, um, and never use it for anything other than the fun. Uh, but I came up with an idea. I got a, a, a toothpick and carved it up and, you know, made like a demonic setting out of uh, uh, carved up toothpicks and, and primed and painted them on the base and and then mixed, uh, I put it in a little separate pot and mixed some Blood for the Blood God with some sand and it came out as this goopy, nasty guts yeah. uh, that I put all over the, you know, the, the carved up toothpicks and everything and it was just a, so there's just so many different things you can do with the uh with the technicals it, it makes basing so much fun yeah oh yeah and the with those the technicals you can do anything from just super basic mud and dirt or desert or uh you know martian terrain or crackly lava effects no. like you, you can go pretty wild with them yep and anybody who's listening that that is endeavoring to learn and, and perfect dry brushing do bases yep. I mean, you can really learn dry brushing really well doing some of the technicals on a base and seeing, you know, how the paint transfers from the brush when you're dry brushing the textured bases. It really, uh, it really helps learn that aspect of the hobby. Yeah, that's that's a great tip for learning dry brushing is base 
like the the texture paints on bases uh you can also do it like everybody who's built models has random bits on sprue they're never going to use that's a great way to test it too one of uh, the cool things that i've seen that people who are like wanting to to try out a bunch of contrast paints they'll take and get the like the necromunda bases or the what are they the sector imperialis bases because a lot of times you can find those kind of bases for cheap because they were included with random stuff and then they just spray them all gray and then they'll paint the contrast over them and just glue them to the top of the side of the pot that way they have a visual representation of what that contrast or what that wash what that glaze what that technical is going to look like as well and as an aside, aren't those Necromunda bases so oh, fun? They're great. I they're freaking fun, love those. Fun thing to paint. Hazard stripes for days. For days, and then you got like the the like the captains or whatever. Have, well, their bases have like the skull mm-hmm. with the the like the Mechanica circle around them, the cogs around yeah, them. There's, there's just so many things you can do. I love them. That's great for testing out your uh, rust and grime oh, yeah. effects yep. and all that and, too. And I actually put some Nurgle's rot down the channels in a few of mine. You know, because they're in the Undercity, it's just gross and there's sludge everywhere, and it just looks great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, bases are a really fun thing to paint. Uh, also, if you're getting started out painting and just want to kind of try your hand at something, those D&D minis, the like Nolzer's Magnificent Minis or whatever, they're yep, not super duper detailed, but they're not like putty. They all look better than Joffrey from uh, A Song of Ice and Fire <laughs> miniatures game from Cool Minis. My God, I could get a pe- I could get a piece of GW sprue and take an acetylene torch to it, and it would look better than that Joffrey it's model. Bad. Yours yeah. looks like it, it fell down some stairs or something. It's there's it's a little rough. It's it's uh, like it's, it's like bad. Joffrey. It looks like Joffrey after the poison. It was, <laughs> it's like, hey, spoiler alert! And a, another spoiler yeah. for a twenty year old book. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, but also if if you really want to get some um, some cheaper minis that are you know minor detail you know just get your your brush control down. I mean, you could always go with the like the dark heaven stuff. Um, yeah, the Reaper. Yeah, yeah. Those guys are like three bucks a model I, at this I point. I find the Reaper minis are a little too bendy to teach people on. Um, yeah, I can kind of see the that. The GW ones uh, have but a little it, it bit is, of bend to them, but I feel like the Reaper ones have a way worse bend. But that may just be well, the ones it, that I've messed with. It, it's pretty, just a, it's a super economical yeah. way to to get your brush control down. Yeah. Um. You know, yeah. and, and if and you can get course, one of those looking good, they're they're such chunky details that uh, yeah. once you get moved to something that's got very good details, like a D or a, a GW model, then you can really get those nailed down. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and about and and GW. What else do you guys use? Uh, what other brands do you guys uh, use? There's quite a few that I use, but I think it's pretty safe to say that for the most part, GW has the best paints out there for a hobby painter not for somebody going after your golden demons your capital palettes your crystal brushes there's way more specialized paints that i don't have any experience with that people like that use yeah i will say i'm uh on the whole shill for the gw paints i uh, like 99 percent of my painting is through the the citadel there's paint line who paints though the gw awful at I was about black? to ask of the cautionary black. tales. Black <laughs> and, and white. white. They're bad. Yes. I don't get it. Uh, the I will say 
the um, Black Templar and the Abaddon Black Con or Black Legion contrast. They're really, really good if you want like a dark, dark oil effect, but they yes. don't read as black. The Abaddon Black paint, I don't know what it is, but I just I've never gotten it to work right. And I don't even want to talk about White Scar or Korax White because it's just it's no. Well, Cor Korax has been worthless for years, you know, um, and they've reformulated it twice, and it's still crap. Yeah, um, no, the, the whites are always chalky, and then the black for some reason Abaddon Black. No matter how much I did it down, it just came out as like sticky and yeah, sticky and oily. Or if you went too far the other way, it would become out streaky. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and the only in in their black range, and this is more like a super dark gray. Uh, I, I've enjoyed using Corvus Black, but other yeah. than that, other than that, yeah, I'm out. Um, Corvus with the Nuln wash on it, it's very close to black. And yeah. you never, almost never want to go true black anyway. So yeah. that's, that's yeah. a good way or to do it. You can, and Corvus, I, go ahead, Trent. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, Corvus. Corvus is, you know, when I go with a black, black you know, if I do a uh, black base coat on a black model. Uh, I'll use Corvus as that first step yeah. up. Uh, I, yeah, I, I and, like and go from there. Like dinge off of it. Scaven yeah, White Dinge is a really, really good paint. It's um, a fucking awesome gray. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. If you uh, haven't Eschen noticed, GW really paint good. names are dumb as fuck. And if you don't know the lore and somebody just tells you the name, you're not going to know the paint. Well, thankfully, yeah. a lot of them do have, like, the color in them, like, Volopus Pink. You're yeah. like, all right, well, that's a pink. I don't know what Volopus is, but. <laughs> uh, I recommend if I you're also, doing Citadel uh, Paints, download the Citadel Color app. Because it gives oh, you it's recipes, a, it's great it lets you do a wish list on it, it lets you track your inventory on it. It's the best painting app I've found. Listeners, if you know of another painting app, by all means, send it to me. I would love to try it out. But it's going to be hard to beat the Citadel Color app. And and keep it up to date as mm -hmm. you buy things, or you'll end up like me, going and ending up with like uh, uh, three pots of Evil Sun Scarlet because I'm at the store going, did that one dry out? Do I have any of that? It's, it's fucking and, uh, green for me, and I don't know why. Everyone <laughs> has that one pot, and you're like, why the fuck do I have seven pots of this color? What's yours, Andrew? Is it Averland? Mm, currently, it's actually Agrax Earthshade. I don't know why, but every time I've gone to get paint, I've I've just been like, I think I'm out of Agrax. I should get Agrax. I have five pots of Agrax. Oh, yeah, I mine are Evil Sun Scarlet and Wild Rider Red. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I have like three pots of each of those. Yeah. Uh, also, Retributor um, Armor, which is hands down the best gold paint that's ever been exist that has ever existed. Oh, it's so good. It's. It's fabulous, and then the same range you go to Auric Armor, which is trash. Cool. Yeah, it's so yeah, it's so like I don't know, thin and kind of like watered down. Like it, it yeah. never feels like it actually gets color on what you're painting. Yeah, exactly. If I have to edge highlight with it six times, I don't want to use it. Only a handful <laughs> of GW Metallics I like, and that's Ironbreaker, Rune Fang, and Retributor. That's really it. Lead Belcher, Lead Belcher, Lead Belcher, Lead Belcher. Yeah. That's the so that, best. That's, that's the it. best like, freaking metal base coat out there. I don't like there. any of the bronzes or the brasses that they have. Uh, brass scorpion's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. The brass scorpion it separates immediately in the pot, um, and if you don't use it more than like once a month, it just turns into a really reddish metal brick and a weird gray hmm. metal brick in the bottle, and there's no. I've had a different. 
I had a different experience with it. But then again, I used it for a long time when I was painting my uh, corn blood yeah. bowl team. But where I, where I have had that uh, exact experience with the separation is with their <clears throat> their alloy paints, like the Hashet Copper, yeah. the Skull Crusher Brass. They separate. They're unrecoverable. Yeah. It's like they're trash. Yeah, see, we're not entirely GW yeah, Shields because uh, we have our issues with some of their paints. Yeah, yeah. No I used I used Hashik Copper for my entire Slaves of Darkness army, and since I used it for like literally everything for them, that one worked out fine. But yeah, a lot of them do separate if you don't give them a shake every couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah I like um, I like Stormhost Silver. Um, Ironbreaker's pretty good. Uh, oh look, I have two pots of Stormhost <laughs> Silver. Um, an- another one that I really like when I'm going for a uh, a blue tinged metal is Grey Knight Steel. Grey, Na- Grey, Grey Knight Steel's Steel good. good, but I really like doing Rune Fang with a thinned wash of uh, the Talisar blue contrast, and then going back over it with Rune Fang. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, that sounds pretty it's, good. It gives it a more, I don't know. Like it's a brighter blue on it than Grey Knight Steel gives. I feel like you can notice that blue a little bit better from a distance. Yeah, and and that's that's something important too to mention when we say that you know the 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 basically the two foot yeah. rule. You know, it's like um, you know if you're starting out painting a lot of these, if you're painting for a game, you want it to look good from two mm-hmm. feet away. Uh, you know, and you know, to, to where you like it. And it's so funny, you know, the three of us have had conversations before where we'll go back and correct something on a miniature uh, that no one other yeah. than us will ever even know that we did. But that's part of the hobby is, um, you know, we know it's there. <laughs> you know, If the underside of that necklace is not gold, we know that that's there. Yeah, yeah so, maybe, uh, every single console on this cockpit that literally nobody else will ever see. Yeah, you know, because basically, you know, and, and we all admire each other's, you know, artistry and all that, but we basically, we'll give it a once-over and, and go, hey, man, that's a really cool model. You did a great job on that. Well, that's really cool. Hey, guys, look at this, and then pass that, the the model's for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, um, and, and it, that's one thing I love about the hobby is, is I will sometimes, you know, if I don't have time to paint, you know, like if I'm waiting for my lady, we're going to go out to dinner in a few minutes. And I'm just, sometimes I'll just pull out some of my favorite miniatures and just look at them. I like you to have plans to and, go and, and, with them because I'm, I'm definitely an adult. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. We all are. But it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a cool hobby in, in that, you know, you, you put so much time into it and, uh, and learn so many different ways to do it. Uh, that you know, it's it's very rewarding, you know. And of course, we're all nerds and we paint nerd things, but it's uh, it, it's a very rewarding hobby when you when you finish a paint job and you're like, man, that turned out fucking great, you know. And uh, and you get and it, then it's yours. You put your uh, you put your uh, your sealant on it, and then and you get to look at it forever, yeah. you know. So let's uh, let's kind of touch oh, on yeah. some of the other brands that we've used before. We, we talked about whites and blacks from GW aren't great. Um, the best white and black, Andrew, I think you're going to agree with me here, Vallejo model color. Vallejo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's... Yeah, the, what is it? Is it? Well, I can't remember the white that it's like a, a like platinum white or what is it? Uh, uh, no, it's just it's normal white, just Blanco. Blanca, yeah, that is that is a you know Vallejo for mm-hmm. whites is is fabulous. Pretty much the only um, colors I know. use from Vallejo are black and white. Do you guys use any of the other stuff from their lines or? 
Nope. The only other thing I've used of theirs so far is a uh, texture paint. Yeah. Yeah, and I've got I bought a Vallejo skin tone set, uh, and and have been looking at it for about three months. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, I haven't cracked it open, but then again, I haven't been painting a lot of skin uh, until recently. Yeah. I'm probably going to break it open and and look. You know, when I start painting my human teams with acrylic, I'll probably look at it a little bit more. Um, but normally, yeah, the white and the black on the Vallejo, uh, and I do uh, have a soft spot for Vallejo uh, for Vallejo Sun Yellow Spray. Yeah, so Vallejo that's, makes of course, a great what I, what I prime line of sprays. Yeah, they do, and because that, that's what I use to prime all of my uh, my fists for 40k. Uh, so I've probably inhaled my uh, 10 people's worth of uh, Vallejo Sun Yellow because I've painted a lot of Imperial Fists. You guys uh, know the difference between Vallejo model color and Vallejo game color? Not a, no idea. I, I, None. No there's not? Longer. Okay. Because I, I... No, no, I, I'm not aware of any difference. I don't know. I don't know what the difference is, but they've got the two different, two different lines of it. The only thing I can see is that the game colors tend to be a brighter palette than the model colors do but they've also just released uh, yeah. their line of their versions of contrast called express color which is their mm-hmm. answer to contrast paint they just came out i have yeah, and of course yet. i want to give them a shot just to try it well it's, it's also like um army painter speed paints. yes which i got the you whole know, everybody's set of everybody's got I love their them. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good about them. I'm, I'm going to give them a sh- give them a, sh- uh, a, a try yeah. here um, in in the future at some point. Uh, but uh, you know, it, it's there's so many different uh, lines out there. I, I can tell you there is one pet peeve that I have about differing paint lines uh, because you know GW is 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 the the Budweiser of the paint world. You know, they own so much of the market share uh, with Citadel. Um, and you see all these other these other lines of paint that come out, and they try to mimic the entire color spectrum of mm-hmm. GW of Citadel. It's like you know, and I'm sitting there looking. I'm like, come on, guys, do something a little bit brighter or a little bit different that that I can use to accentuate my models. Because let's face it, at this point, I've got you know every rainbow hue of of Citadel. You know, I get trying to compete, but let's put some different hues out there that maybe give us a different approach to say uh green or or edge highlighting orange or or something a different hue because to me that would that would probably bring in some customers for them but i just see them emulating you know citadel's color line so there is uh army painter i'm going to bounce around a little bit army painter does a pretty decent job of that uh they've got uh what what is what do they call they call it their color triad for their airline, their airbrush line, it's meant for you to shoot uh, zenithal with it, and it's a dark tone, so a base tone, a medium tone, and then a really like light bright tone of it. So it, it's meant, you know, say you've got an orc, you've got your three greens, you spray the base one all over it, you angle your airbrush at forty-five degrees, you spray the next one, then you do the top and your light highlights with the high point one. And they have some really cool shades in that. And they're all formulated to be like this step to this step to this step. So did you say it's an airline? It it is an airline, but all airlines are, are thinned down acrylic paint. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can dip it, you know, no, no, no big, no big problem. Yeah. Um, I'll check it out. Uh, Cause I never thought to look at their airline. Green. And I think they're blue of that. 
Um, Giga carries the whole range, and the level up in Duluth does as well. Yeah, see, I don't get up. I don't get don't have the opportunity to get the Giga as much as I'd like because they actually have a pretty damn good sandwich in there too. But um, yeah, and uh, but yeah, I do get over to Duluth. I I swing over that that huge store uh, every time I'm over there. Yeah, it's massive, massive selection. Yes, so Um, Army Painter, it's got you know your basic color lines and stuff like that. But it's also got those triads. Like I said, I've got the green triad and the blue triad that I've used, and I like those. Um, the other thing they have are the speed paints. And the speed paints are, I, I think they're better than contrast. I think they saw what GW did with contrast and went, we're going to up this. Stepped it up. But yeah, so I got, now. Which I don't remember which speed paint set I got. I got one of the speed paint sets. Now, on the Army Painter side, and one thing, you know, and I have to explore that range because, I, like I said, I don't get up to those two stores very often. So, next time I'm at one of them, I'll li- definitely look at that range a little bit more. But uh, I love, uh, I'm a huge uh, loyalist to Army Painter black uh, base coat, black spray mm-hmm. base coat. Love it. Tony, I know you you had a different experience with it, but I, it's I never done me I've, wrong. I've had bad experiences yeah. with Army Painter sprays. Granted, that was the mid-2000s, probably like 2013, 2014. I haven't used them since then uh, because I killed models with them because they were, when I sprayed them, they were really grainy. That could be a combination of me not shaking the can enough, me spraying them when it's too humid out old paint it just i did it it killed some of my models and i was like i'm going back to gw once i i either use gw primers uh their chaos black or their wraith bone or their gracier i don't like white primer that's just me or i use the badger uh what sterilines line that you shoot through an airbrush yeah um I will say I, uh, the uh, the white scar primer from GW is probably one of the cleanest white primers I've ever yeah. used. I just I yeah, suck and- at priming white because I'll always miss a little spot, and there'll be just this glaring little like pixel of white under an arm, and it's all I'll fucking see on the model. <laughs> and for anybody listening who's who's new to the hobby, you know when you do the lighter base coats, it it can be you know like if you do a white base coat, it can be pretty unforgiving. Mm-hmm. You know you've you've got a you get you, you miss a spot on a on a a tiny little spot on a black base coat. You know it's hey it's a shadow. Look everybody, it's shadow. Yeah. Uh, you know, but uh, you know a white white or a lighter gray base coat or like a wraith bone. Um, you know it, it it can be a little bit more more demanding in my experience. Yeah. So, Army Painter is a fairly budget-friendly paint line as well. GW's a little bit more pricey. Uh, I want to say Army Painters roll anywhere between four and six dollars for theirs. GW pots run between like six and ten dollars for theirs. Yeah, technicals on the higher yeah, end. Yeah, same yeah. with contrast and metallics. Uh, if you and washes. Yeah, if you were looking for a solid budget paint line, Vallejo. There's also a lot yeah, of they're... places that are doing like learn to paint things and stuff like that at a local hobby shops. You'll see these Reaper Bones paints paint sets. I've used them before and they seem like they just seem like Vallejo paint to me. I do, I don't know they're if they're okay. any different than Vallejos. Uh, they they I found that you know 
they separate a little weird when you put the medium gotcha. in them. But the, that, that may have just been the pot that I got. Yeah. I don't know. But the only one I can say I've used is their black because uh, I didn't have time to pick up more Vallejo. I put it at, uh, in terms of ease of use and general quality, uh, like uh, above GW black, because that's not hard, and maybe like a couple of ticks under Vallejo. I think Vallejo was still smoother overall. <laughs> and Vallejo bottles, uh, you know, pots of paint are, are available at uh, different mm-hmm. retail outlets too. They're they're more easily accessible. Uh, you know, and I don't know if, if Hobby Lobby is nationwide or not. I have no clue. But they carry a, a pretty solid Vallejo yes. line. They have the Vallejo, uh, the model color sets uh, for different effects and, and things like that. So if you don't have a if you don't have a gaming store, a proper gaming store nearby, they they have a pretty good pretty good merchant agreements with with uh, other hobby hobby stores yeah. or mainline hobby stores. So speaking of like, this one's a little bit more specialized. Have you guys used Scale Seventy Five at all? Nope. No, but I have heard very good things. I have too. It's it's usually like one of the top tier paints, and I have picked up one color of it four months ago, and I'm yet to use it. <laughs> painters, painters' anxiety. Yeah, like, <laughs> They're they're good. They're they're beautiful, beautiful shades. They're really, really like well pigmented and stuff. And I've heard nothing but good from them. So that's that is what I heard about them. Is that they are very, very heavily pigmented. Yeah. That is what I heard. Uh, they're also, I believe, very expensive. Yeah, and what is that other one? Geek Colors. Was it the Geek Colors line? You ever seen that? Geek Colors. No. Like yeah. Turbo Dark. Yeah, tur- okay, yeah, yeah, there you go, yeah, Turbo so, Dork. Yeah. yeah, let's talk a little bit. Uh, there's one other brand I kind of want to touch on too before we get to some of the more specialized ones because that is specialized. So the other brand that's really kind of made a splash on the scene, and I've used a couple of their colors. I love them. Uh, Pro Acryl from Monument Hobbies. These hmm, I have not tried any of those. Yet. Matt uh, tried one of them and bought their line. Wow. They are yeah, that's awesome enough. paints. I mean, their their lines they're like base sets, a hundred bucks. They don't have a whole ton of colors yet. Uh, oh well, I guess oh they just released another expansion that's got. Let's see. Uh, ooh, okay, Trent, you we were talking about the different shades of things. Uh, I'm going to drop this to you in chat so you can see what I'm talking. about. But this is their most recent expansion. But it's like, it's got a yellow that's kind of like Averland in it. It's got a good pink, some purple, some really interesting green shades to it. Like a night, I like the jade. The jade is the one that caught my eye. Yeah, but expansion three, same thing. It's got like a faded plum, a golden brown, a pale yellow, a burnt sienna that's not an ink or a wash, which is interesting. Uh, Bright pale green, which is very mint chocolate chip. Some turquoise, gray, blue, and then a couple. Ooh, black, green. That's a really dark green. It's like maybe the, remember the old Dark Angels yeah. green? Is it, it, it like kind of is, yeah. It's expansion three. But yeah, so Pro Acryl has broken onto the scene with a lot of really good colors. And what's, Dude, what's awesome about these, um, this is the only white that holds a candle to Vallejo, and it is their Pro Acryl Bold Titanium White. It's... It's just as good as the Vallejo, 
But the thing it's got better is you can shoot it through an airbrush right out of the bottle. Yeah, the, I remember yeah. you mentioning that to Do me. These, a while thing, back. these the, things the, fucking the, spray like just beautiful butter smooth, man. They uh, they've also got a yeah butter spray. They've also got uh, this. They have like a transparent ink line that's meant to do glazing through an airbrush and like spraying over clear plastic to give it tints and stuff. That sounds pretty cool. I'm a pro actually. I'll check that out for sure. Check that out. Great, great set of stuff. Um, And their bottles. So every company, I have problems with almost every company's fucking bottles. Like there is no perfect bottle for paint. We can all agree that GW is the worst. Hands down. Uh, Almost the certainly. dropper bottles like Vallejo and stuff like that have if they get a clog and you squeeze a little too hard you literally blow the whole end of oh, it yeah. uh, most companies use that yeah. style Pro Acryl uses a like sriracha style top so it's like a twist dripper oh. uh, you can also buy like that's yeah, a different and they approach. also sell an alternate lid set and their alternate lid set is just like it, it looks like it's just like you unscrew the cap and you just squeeze it and since the caps on these are threaded on if you squeeze it too hard you don't blow the fucking lid off of it nice yeah so it's kind of like a specialized elmer yeah, glue yes, design yes yes it's it's very elmer glue like okay that's a that's a good kind yeah. of thing to compare that to. just but yeah uh, pro okay. acryl cool. i think is the best like up and coming paint brand so, Trent, Trent mentioned it a little bit earlier. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the more like hyper specialized paints. The main one is Turbo Dork. Have, have you you haven't used Turbo Dork before? Have you, Andrew? Okay. Nope. Yeah, I have. Um, and they have they have some really interesting products. I mean, they have some uh, they have some you know like similar to Mephiston Red, but it all it goes on almost like a chrome yeah, finish. So- I mean, they have some really, really interesting uh, paints, and I, I just toyed around. I have this poor miniature that that I got from uh, from Brian at the GW store a long time ago, and he, this poor guy's been painted and scrubbed no less than twenty times. Because whenever I get a uh, a new kind of paint, I just you know that's my poor uh, test subject. But um, I, I didn't do much with it because I didn't uh, I didn't take the time to learn. You know how it mixes, how it applies, how yeah. much to thin it out. Don't, don't. But thin it was turbo super, dork. super cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I, I figured that out. But, um, but it was really cool. The effect when you put it on the model was really, really cool. And and I've, I, I've wanted to go back and, and get some more. But good God, they're proud yeah. of them. You know, it, it it's pretty. Expensive. So Turbo Dork has a couple of different lines. Their big claim to fame is like almost all their stuff is a metallic style shade and they've got turbo shifts or what they call them, which are like chameleon paints. You paint either black or white. Those are the only base coats you do under them. Solid black smooth, solid white smooth. And then you paint multiple layers over and over and over like lots of usually it's between four and like eight thin layers of this on there. And it it's a color shift paint like um like a holographic sticker a fucking holographic pokemon or magic card it's got that effect and they have it in all kinds of different colors that like go into others like uh they've got 
one called Cool Ranch, which is like a dark blackish blue to the light blue. Uh, oh god, what was the one that I got that I really liked? It's like 40 glasses or something like that. It goes from like, yeah, it goes from a like a lavender color to purple to blue to green, depending on how the light hits it. Well, see, this is hitting close to home for me because I'm about to paint millions kinks. So, now, yeah, I, I may, uh, I may now, give bear that a mind, shot. All of these have a metallic, almost metal flake look to them. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll go grab a pot and and, and see how it yeah, works and, out. Uh, yeah, and then they, they've got, um, they have the best metallic line in paints, in my opinion, because it's it's what they do, it's what they specialize in, and they've got a lot of really cool colored shades of metallics. They've also got like their basic, you know, silvers and things like that, but they've got like spicy meatball, which is basically metallic Mephiston red, uh, two cents, which is a great (laughs) copper. They've got pearly gates, which is like a pearlescent metal. Oh, there's your mother of pearl right there, Andrew. Oh, sorry. I'm just browsing it on my side too. They've got some cool colors. Uh, they've got one called orange. You glad, you know, They've also got a Zenish shift God, line, had... which I don't know anything about this line. I've never actually seen any well, of these. The... Well, it it, it uh, lends the name lends it to like a Zenithal yeah, that's, based. That's kind what I'm of. thinking. But I don't know enough about that brand that bit to talk about it. But yeah, Turbidors are cool, but they're like six, seven bucks a pot for like a little pot. Yeah, they're they're very small. Yeah. Um. But that's one thing for people to understand too is is yeah we're talking about you know uh, five to ten dollar pots of paint but you know th- these things last well, as long as yeah. you care for them and, and and shake them occasionally these these pots of paint will last you a long unless long it's Sterling Battlemire uh, <laughs> yeah this is true yeah the texture paints tend to tend yeah. to go pretty quickly if you're basing a whole damn army. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and I've got you know I've recently bought some new uh, terrain yeah. stuff. We can talk about if we get to that point. But um, it, you know, but it uh, you know these yeah it's an investment on the front end. But what'll happen you know is uh, you'll you'll pick up a new army and you'll pick up the line that you need to paint that army and then you'll do another group of guys and you'll pick up the paints you need to do. That. And before you know it, you you know you've got like 120 paints you know up on your up on your paint table in various states of disarray yeah so uh and um you know it kind of you know if you buy the paints you need for certain models or certain armies uh it'll mount up pretty quickly for your collection and then you can start getting yeah don't don't be afraid to buy a pot of paint to try it out but also like if you've got a dedicated local hobby group like we do i mean just the other day Tim was like, hey, I'm, I'm curious about, you know, some bright paints. It's like, I've got a fluorescent line. So I was, let him borrow it. Like, doing paint days with your buddies is a great way to, like, try other paints. If you're, if you're like, I really want to give this paint a shot, but I don't know enough about it. If you've got a group that's like us where we just buy a bunch of dumb random shit, someone's going to have it. Somebody's going to have three of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been <laughs> so many paints in the past, like, Especially four months. Yeah, um, you know, and and that that is a, a really good thing, you know, and and you know, this is a whole nother discussion, but it, it merits, you know, at least mentioning, 
um, that when you get involved with the painting and this hobby and, and you get involved with a group, you know, it, the, the, um, the community in this hobby is fabulous. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. For, you know, creative creativity and, and tips and, you know, whether it's, you know, in person or, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a member on Facebook of some blood bowl painting groups that have helped me out tremendously. You know, it, it's got a, there's a social aspect to it. That's really enjoyable yeah. as well. So, um, I talked about them a little bit there, the fluorescent paints. The other really specialized paint group is Green Stuff World. And they've got a lot of really good basing stuff as well. If you're looking to base miniatures, Green Stuff World is a fantastic source for Fabulous flowers, products, yeah. weird color grass, crackle paints, base paints. But they carry leaves. Leaves. Yeah, yeah. the leaves are awesome. I got they, some of those. They, I really missed an opportunity to use those really, on the really Wood Elves. Did. I don't know why I didn't use those. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Green Stuff World has all kinds of stuff like that, and it's it's fantastic. Also, their stuff is really affordable. Like, their their paints are two, three bucks. Like, it's weirdly cheap. But they've also, I realize, Trent, have a line of chameleon paints that they're color oh yeah they're also color shift metallic okay yeah yeah so maybe not a fit but i still want to get one and just you know dick around with it for a bit they've got a lot different colors they're actually really cool uh but they've also got a chrome line of metallics and i've got the actual like their chrome chrome not their chrome gold or chrome copper but they're straight chrome paint. When you put it on a fucking wet palette, it looks like the T-1000. It's it's wild how bright it is. And it paints on just like it. It's for doing like the very edge of something you want to look very, very sharp. It's great for it. Uh, it's also what I use if I'm doing a gym. I put that down and then do a Must be nice. To play some games with Yeah, and it's the, the uh, second time that Inks have been brought up. I've actually got them makes for a minute. Cool for a minute. The how friendships and by a brand so called Daylor And they are if just you're like the hardest inks. Um, you get them for like calligraphy and just like so let's have some painting and stuff like that. And get it but done. there's a lot you have to do. kiss my ass. To buy them because each one of them is going You can always contact us at DiceLikeIcePodcast at gmail.com or find us on our Facebook or Instagram like also under DiceLikeIcePodcast. We would also Permanent, a big they are. To William so James like, yeah, out- <laughs> yeah, it's weird. And uh, like how, for letting us use how strong the pigment and how permanent it's going to be on there, I guess. Um, you want at least three or four stars. Don't get the things that are one or two stars. But the most important is on all of the inks. I think this is across brands as well. You're going to see these little squares on it. Uh, you'll see three different ones. It'll be a like a an open like a square with no color in the center, a fully black square, and then a square that's half black, half white. The full one is opaque. That means that there's going to be no translucency on that ink. It's not great for our stuff. There is semi-opaque, which is going to function kind of like a, a really thinned down paint 
or a, a thicker, more pigmented glaze. And then there's transparent, which will actually work more like one of our washes. Yeah, and I've used inks. I've, I've you know, I haven't found on a, on an actual miniature or a character or you know a little, little uh, space marine or anything like that. Uh, anything that it's I can accomplish here. with inks that I that I can't accomplish just as well it's with uh, with you know shades mm-hmm. with with medium or things like that. But on vehicles, inks yeah. are ace. I've never no. used inks personally, but uh, the best things I've ever seen them for is for getting like really poppy fluorescent colors, yes. like for a lot of um, plasma glow or fire or something they like that. They are awesome for doing OSL, uh, object source lighting. Yes, uh, I've seen that as well, which OSL is not something that I've gotten too far I into. I haven't either. Uh, yeah, it, it, I it's, have. It's, yeah, you have, Andrew. <laughs> You've gotten yeah. quite good at it, uh, but it's it's next... You know, when I when I delve into my next um, my next 40k army, which is probably going to be Necrons, I'm going to be doing doing a lot of OSL with their uh, their weapons with the green. Um, so I'm going to learn a good bit of that then. And Andrew, I might lean on you a little bit when I start doing that. Mostly dry brushing. Yeah. It's really not yeah, that bad. Andrew, do you want to just kind of do like a quick talk through of what OSL is and kind of where you would use it, how you would achieve the effect, things like that. Uh, sure. It's a relatively self-explanatory name, at least. Object source lighting. So you pick a object that has light coming from it, such as a lantern, candle, torch, glowy plasma core or something, and you're essentially trying to uh, mimic that light bouncing off of the model. So, for example, I did a dwarf for Frostgrave not too long ago. For uh, It was one of the old GW dwarves who had a lantern on his belt. Um, so, essentially, I would think about how the light is working in that. And it's like, okay, well, from his perspective, the lantern has three windows on it going to the right, left, and forward. It will get some bleed over going up, but it's got that cap on top to stop that. So, mainly, I would be trying to get that light focusing around the legs and areas of the base and, like, the underside of his arm that's upraised holding his pickaxe. Uh, a little bit like under the the cheek and the nose. You're trying to just essentially like pinpoint what uh, feels like a realistic lighting coming from the source of the light. And then the way I do it would be I would uh, essentially just get that color and uh, get one of my favorite uh, mangled brushes and just very gently dry brush it. Don't put any real amount of paint on it because if you really mess up, you got to essentially repaint the entire model just to get back to that point. So I would just do like the barest hint of a dry brush in the directions I thought felt real. And then if it looked good, go back and just kind of add a little bit more and more Um, and you'd uh, start with the darker colors and work your way towards brighter closer towards the source of the object so in the lantern example the further away ones you're getting like darker reds and oranges and as you get closer and closer to the candle in the lantern you get the really bright poppy yellows so it's really just about trying to to mimic realistic lighting essentially and if you can do it well it looks really cool and if you fuck it it up you have a weirdly bright yellow uh guy who's probably not supposed to be yellow so here's i have a question for you about osl andrew yeah um on a on a a difficulty scale of one to five uh what do you think the difficulty is of of learning and implementing osl into your managers on a regular basis I think a lot of it would honestly just depend on what you're trying to have be the source of light and your color scheme and so forth. But uh, if you just want to get like some very good rudimentary OSL, like three out of five maybe. But if you want like 
properly realistic lighting, five out of five. Because it's 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 hard to get that blend of still being able to um, to see like skin tones and you know the colors underneath, and also make it look like realistic lighting. Which I don't think I've quite gotten to that point yet. But uh, you can have a very effective look at about a three out of five on the difficulty scale. And I, I would imagine that a lot of people um, would be like me, and, and the difficulty of it that I find and that I get you know, uh, a miniature anxiety about is, is figuring out the, the light splash. Where's the light going? You know, I get really nervous about, about picking out the wrong spots or overdoing it, but I, I guess it's just like anything else is that you, know, you just do it until you get it right. right. So I've actually got yeah. a weird trick for that. I, I was specifically watching some videos on OSL not even two weeks ago, and what one dude kept on his painting station was a single, very small LED light, like one of the little bitty LED bulbs and, and actually, a button battery, and he would turn off his, his like lamps around his desk, put it where the light source is supposed to be, turn it on, take a picture, and then reset his turn his lights back on and stuff and then he had a visual representation of where that light would go on the I, model i was like that's i have brilliant. actually thought about doing something yeah i thought about doing something similar to that or or thought that that would be an option but i never really you know took it to the next step and yeah. tried it but that's yeah, a great but like idea taking a picture then yeah, you know it doesn't exactly have to be like where the light goes it doesn't have to be like crazy bright right. lights or anything you can do just a very nice soft glow like I don't know if you had like a uh, the the blinky lights on uh, Space Marines chest plate sometimes or something like that. Like you could have very very subtle OSL effects without having to go the full around. crazy. Yeah. And, and speaking of lighting, at this point, I have to take a, a moment here just to to voice how still jealous I am of of the the light up terrain that Elias made. I do like that stuff. That stuff was so free. Yeah, I know it's completely, but the lighting we're talking about reminded me of that. I actually videoed that on the table when he and Jeff were playing a few weeks ago. And the, the light up explosions, the light up lava that he had the LEDs under, it was just amazing. Yeah, I loved it. They look good. It's just a, uh, what, painted cotton and a tea yeah, light under it or something like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it was great. super. And he had some, he used some of that, I think, whatever foam to make running mm -hmm. lava and then painted it and dry brushed it and his back lit. It just looks amazing. I know it's off topic, but dude, I was so impressed by that. Yeah, it's, it's good. Uh, so everybody kind of has like their tools that they really use for painting. We talked a little bit about wet palette and stuff like that. Uh, I use, uh, it's Exemplar is the brand of wet palette I use. Got it at Nova because it's a big wet palette. I like it but it's large enough where it is kind of warped a little bit. Um, I used to use the army painter one. Isn't that what you use, Andrew, is the army painter one? Yep. Still yeah, serves me pretty well. Yeah, same great. here. Yeah, it's same here, it's affordable, yeah. like 10 out of 10 best wet powder on the market, in my opinion. Can't go wrong with it. Yep, and they don't overprice the <laughs> refills or the sheets or anything like that. You can go and get re a, a, a pack, a whole pack of tons of sheets and, and several sponges for like, you know, 10 yeah. bucks. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, again, Army Painter being a, a solid and affordable source for that. Yeah. Is there a, is there a specific type of brush, like brand you use, Andrew, for anything? Or are you just like the Hobby Hobby no. special sort of guy? <laughs> I say, find I'm, this so funny about Andrew. I'm I'm a goblin. I, I I spend so much money on my paint and my minis and everything, and I still just get like the ten dollar multi pack from from Michaels. And as soon as they die, whatever, just chuck them in the can and go buy some more. 
I find that so, so funny weird. because everybody else were like, <laughs> "We're and, and Andrew's the best miniature painter on this on this uh, podcast right now," and, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, and he's like, "Yeah, you shit brushes." Yeah, I just yeah no, it's like it's my the ones you use when you're like four doing watercolors, you know. I choose those. <laughs> Not too hard off some of these. Um, yeah, no, it's it's I I have a certain level of uh, inbuilt laziness where I don't want to do like brush soaps and things oh, no, like no, that. So that I, yeah, I would feel uh, real lazy, uh, real bad if I got like a fifty dollar like amazing like artist opus brush or something and just mangled it in like two weeks. Okay. <laughs> Instead of doing that to myself, I just get the ten dollar pack, burn through them in about a month and a half, and just you know rinse and repeat. I'll back that up because I ordered a uh, thirty dollar set of brushes. Uh, it was three brushes, and they were sable. They were mm-hmm. this and that. They were these, and they were trash. I mean, they were. I went right back because I'm a. I, I love the Citadel brushes. Is what I've always used. I'm just used to it. So, uh, but I, I ordered some expensive brushes, and and they were just trash, and they they just didn't hold paint. And I was like, screw that. I just wasted thirty bucks. Uh, you know. <laughs> I really like the Army Painter brushes because you know I work in kitchens, so my hands are just permanently fucked. And most brushes are just totally round. They might have a little bit of kind of a, I don't know, expanded part where you hold it. But the Army Painter brushes are brushers. The Army Painter brushes are like triangular. So they're really easy to index in my hand. And they don't give me that fatigue in my hand with them. I have one Army Is it Painter insane? brush that it's the I insane use regularly. Reason. No, it's the psycho. Yeah, that psycho. Uh, and I use, yeah, yeah, and I use it when I'm. I use it for one thing, uh, and that is to with my uh, my pigment mix that I mm-hmm. mentioned earlier for my uh, imperial fist. I use it to line their armor with that, like the creases yeah. in their armor, and uh, it, it's a great little brush to. But that is literally the only thing I use it for. Yeah. Uh, the rest of my stuff is Citadel. I'm a nerd. I'm a loyalist. Uh, I like the Citadel paints. The three brushes I primarily use are the Army Painter, um, like regiment, regiment brush, regimental brush. It's like their standard, just like medium layer brush. Uh, It's just a great workhorse brush. The Army Painter dry brush, I really, really like. I used to be a fan of the Citadel dry brushes, but I used them, and I I just I keep having the issue with the. uh, what's the metal piece on a brush called? The furls? Great question. Is that what that's called? I'm looking. No I'm idea. Looking, I, I want to call it a fuller, I'm looking like at it's my... a fucking blood groove. It's the metal bit what yeah, holds the, the brush the together. the metal bit which holds the brush together. Uh, I have a bad habit of them coming <laughs> loose on the Citadel dry brushes. Huh. Um, I, I, I've never used the Armor Painter Dry, but I've got several different... Um, sizes of the citadel i've never had an issue with them um those are the the citadel dry brushes though are the ones that you have to have like the uh the soap or the brush oil or brush soap for because once those once those bristles uh, get separated uh you know because dry brushing you're never going to get all of that out of your brush uh, so once they get really mm-hmm. separated you're not using brush oil the the gw ones will stay they'll turn into a frazzled yeah. mess uh, the uh, the brush that I use, I would say over 90% of the time, my general purpose brush is similar to yours, Tony. I use the medium la- or the, uh, 
Yeah, the medium layer. Yeah, small, or small layer. The yeah, small, small layer is the other Citadel. one. I, I go through those things like it's my fucking job. Yeah, yeah. Small layer from Citadel is is a great brush. Uh, the, the it holds the tip really mm-hmm. well as long as you as long as you rinse it and 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 shape it as you use it. It holds the point really well. And you know, you with that brush, it, when you approach from ninety degrees, uh, you know, if you know how to load the brush correctly, that paint will go with a small yeah. layer from Citadel. That paint will go exactly where you want it to go. Yeah. The uh, the other thing that you can use for dry brushing is a like if you're dry brushing big stuff especially terrain or tanks fucking makeup brush get just the shittiest cheapest makeup brush you can find and it's awesome for it great 12 dollars fuck what sorry i'm looking at gw brushes right now (laughs) sorry me I, i was seeing what what which ones i i use that are comparable Insert triggered me. That's going to be the fucking pull quote right there. $12! Jesus. Yeah, no, for like the the money that I pay for the full pack. So I I tend to use essentially like a medium layer brush now that I'm looking at them uh, because I don't know sizes because I'm a goblin, like I said. Um, And I'll I'll have one of those from one of those Michael's packs last me for like two months. What? Yeah. Because you just... You just rinse them out at the end, and you're just good to go. You just treat them kind of okay. I don't even need to worry about you know brush soaps or anything. Maybe all people are just overthinking Maybe this so. shit. <laughs> I don't are know, you a, man. I would. I don't know. Cup rinser. No, I actually have uh, the Citadel cup because it's got those little uh, channels. I on. love the Citadel cup. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's I great. Taken a Who drink out of it, it the, and I haven't spilled it. It's better than the last two I've had. Exactly. Some, somebody at the uh, at the Christmas thing for the group got one of them, and they already had like two, so they just handed me the yeah. Citadel cup. I'm it's like, thanks, great, dude. And then now I'm like, I'm like, how in the hell did yeah. I ever live without this shit? Yeah, that was that <laughs> was that was my gift for yeah. the white elephant. <laughs> oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. And, well, and some other stuff, but yeah. Yeah, whoever got it, they already had two. They're like, here, do you want it? I'm like, yeah, uh, I think I'll take it went to it turned out it's fabulous. No, because mm, yeah. it was Trey that got it. Yeah, it may have been Trey that got it. Because Jeff got the fancy paint line that Phil put in, right? Or did you put in the paint line? I think it was okay. Phil. Yeah. I don't know. That was months ago. Either way. Yes. But yeah, so, you know, that's that's our basic kind of rundown on some of the paints and tools that we use. So, advice for painters. If, if you had to give one big piece of advice to people either getting started or painting or that have just kind of hit that wall in painting to go... And just need something to get past it. Andrew, what you got a piece of advice for it or not really? Just try. I mean, like that's really it. Sometimes it's a daunting task to try and, and get stuff going. But if you're worried about screwing up one of your models, just get a side model. Try one of the cheap uh, D&D minis or something just to, to practice on essentially. But, you know, don't don't be afraid to give something a go because uh, worst comes to worst, you can get simple green, scrub it yeah, and try it again. It's just paint. Yep. I, I personally, Rick... 91% yeah. isopropyl alcohol is what I use. What, what about you, Trent? You got a, what, uh, what kind of advice you got for them? Uh, first thing, first and foremost, first thing you need to learn is brush control. Um, you know, and, and get, like Andrew said, get you some cheap miniatures, watch some tutorials on brush control. Uh, that will save so much frustration uh, when because it'll teach you how to, you know, if you watch the videos, whether they're from Citadel or, or other accomplished painters on, on how to load a brush, and, and how to hold a brush and how to control the brush. Uh, and, and that will save you so much frustration. And, and early on, you'll learn how to get the tip of that brush 
on with the area you want without bowing without bowing the brush and getting paint around where you don't want it. Uh, so that would be my advice. Number one thing: yeah. brush control. I would uh, I would say for me the best piece of advice is trust the process. It will look like shit until it doesn't. Until it, yes, you're right. like there's been so many times I'll get halfway through a model and be like, I fucking hate it. I hate how it looks. I just want to scrub it and start again. But it's like finish the fucking model, paint all the way through it. My entire entire slave's mm-hmm. darkness army is super fugly until you get to eighty five percent done, and then it all comes yep. together. It really does. And and anybody listening, like, like struggle through the base coat, do it properly. You know, uh, next painting session, you will thank you. Get the get your base coat down because, like these other guys are saying, it'll it, it all of a sudden at about eighty percent, the model will start to come alive. Yeah. You know when you're when you're getting those highlights on, but the the fundamentals of that base coat cannot be you know, the importance cannot be overstated. And a lot of times, just getting that first wash down, you can go, okay, this actually yeah. looks pretty good. Yep. Because a lot and of my base coating is, you know, uh, you get a lot of stuff where it's like, oh, I got to pick out the belts, I got to pick out this different kind of leather, I got to pick out the bone, I got to get this scroll over here, and you do all of that, and you're like, this all does not drive, and then you do the one wash agrax, and you go, ah, okay, never mind, <laughs> this do is you, great. Do you know one thing we also we need to mention for new painters is paint from the inside of the model. Yeah, lowest out. layer first, yes. work to the top. So yep. skin first, which yep. seems so counterintuitive. Yeah, but it's it's easier to correct that way. Uh, you know, you can always correct all, all the way back in. And me personally, last thing I'll say about tips uh, is always leave at least twenty. This is just my view. So always say leave what? at least twenty percent because the service industry is brutally. It was fifteen. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, thin your paints, of course. Uh, but also, my personal thing is if I make a mistake, okay, I'll stop and correct it mm-hmm. right then. I'll do what I need to do to correct that mistake right then if I'm able to, rather than than get to the end of that process and then have to go back and correct three, four, five small mistakes because you'll get frustrated sometimes and decide not to correct this little mistake because of what you have to do it, and then you regret it later because it shows on your model. And don't, uh, like, hmm, how to phrase this? Compliment people's painting. Like, if you're playing a game with somebody, even if you're like, I can fucking paint better than that, compliment their stuff. Especially if it's somebody in your group who you've seen get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. Because they're putting time, they're putting effort into it. And just that little bit, like, man, that looks good. I like that green. I really like the basing you did. It goes a long way. And, you know, you never know when maybe they're like, I'm fucking done painting. I'm just going to use gray plastic from now on. And that extra little bit will just kind of bump them back up and the hobby looks better when everything's painted but if everybody gives people shit for their painting nothing will ever get painted yep there's a reason gw made it uh, where you get bonus points for fully painted armies because it looks yeah. cool yep yeah absolutely the hobby is better when everything is painted and that goes back to the community the community is such really a big is. part of the hobby man and, and we all we all support each other we all keep each other motivated uh and uh uh, and if you're Tony, you bully people into playing more games so they'll buy more miniatures. <laughs> Our life was so actually, lucky that I wasn't at level up with you, Andrew. That bitch would have walked out with an army. It's funny because he was already buying stuff when I walked in. It was not my fault. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, that is the basics of painting yeah. in a nutshell, and there's, I guess, There's guys. a million other brands of paints out there. These are all brands that we've used. 
So like if, yep. if you guys have a brand of paint or like a specific color that you're like, this is the best of this color, let us know. I'd love to try it. Frankenstein together a nice uh, paint rack of just all these crazy different brands. We're running, we're running a bit long on this segment. So uh going to ask you the same question that we ask every guest on our show, Trent. What is the biggest mistake you've made in this hobby? Uh, probably choosing to paint an entire yellow army. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, that's understandable. Significantly easier now with contrast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, but by the, yeah, but by, well, by the time Imperial Fist contrast came out, dude, I was already, you know, a thousand points deep. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was a moment where I was like, well, shit. (laughs) No win scenario there. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, man, no real regrets because even, even making a mistake in this hobby can turn into fun. You know, the worst day play in Warhammer is still better than the best day at work. No doubt. I've certainly enjoyed. I've had some pretty rough fucking games at Warhammer. Definitely true. <laughs> well, especially when you play against somebody who fields eleven <laughs> tanks, Tony. Yeah, suck less, Trent. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, my guys are bolter bolter rounds downfield, and your tanks are like, Invincible. ha ha, get yeah. better. All right, well, get good. Well, Trent, thank you for uh, joining us on this segment and uh, talking paints for a bit with us, man. Do you have any? Dude, I love it. Always talking to you yeah, guys. Anything you want to plug and Instagram, anything like that, a YouTube channel. Dude, who are you talking to? Okay, I had to talk you through da- fucking Discord and Audacity. So. Yeah, he already said he was forty-five when he started playing D anD D back in the eighties. I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, I forgot that uh, Trent got his first uh, glimpse of Warhammer in the trenches of World War One. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I was playing. I've been playing D anD D since you guys were like negative a decade yeah. old. So yeah, I don't, I don't even know how to get on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> I man. Well, once again, thank you for joining us. It was great talking with you. Yeah, we'll uh, eventually play some uh, terraforming Mars with you, and I'll tell the rules right on this episode or on this podcast. Uh, absolutely, you better. All right, thanks, guys. Well, have a good one. All right, everyone. So that's uh, pretty much gonna wrap up our show for this uh, week or three. So, uh, Andrew, you got any advice you want to leave us on? Yeah, I just want to comment on how, uh, how I remember last time I was like, oh man, what a fast turnaround between episodes. It was only like two weeks between recording. Yeah, no, we got to balance it out, man. <laughs> and this one's been almost two months. <laughs> uh, it's okay, as long as you don't open a fourth sandwich store. Uh, you heard store, it here first, kids. Don't open a fourth sandwich store. Oh, oh well, I had advice. actual Okay, advice. let's just let's take that one back a bit. All right, Andrew, you get... You, you, get, you get two whole advices on this one. Don't open four sandwich stores and... Uh, Summer's coming up, so uh, be kind to yourself and go ahead and clean your grill because nothing sucks more than going, oh, man, I want to get some fucking birds out on the grill. And then you realize it's just covered in shit and spider webs and you got to empty out the fucking ashes and all this crap. So go ahead and do it now, goddammit. On that note, with the cleaning of your grill, make sure that you are also oiling your grill down and don't use those fucking wire scrubber things the metal ones because they will leave little bits of wire in it and you will bite on one and you will have a bad time uh there's some yeah there's some fabric you can use uh or if you run a flat top style you can literally go to like a restaurant store and get a thing called a grill brick which is this weird well brick for your grill to clean it they're fantastic um Always make sure your grill is hot when you clean it. You'll save yourself a lot of time that way. So, 
Also, if you're a fan of Mr. Hank Hill's brand of things, uh, yes. check your lines because if you got a, a little puncture in your line, you don't want to be leaking propane when yeah, there's open sure. flames. Yeah, do maintenance before you fire up anything. So you heard it here first, Peace. kids. Uh, make sure your grill is clean and well-maintained before you cook on it. All right. On that note, everybody, have a good night. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.